All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 205 is full swing, full motion. We're so happy to be here with you guys and for you to be here with us when you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting or whether you're or YouTubing. We want to thank you so much for being with us in this time as we are going to break down so much, so much when it, when it comes to the Super Bowl, Bowl 55 or 57. Chiefs versus Eagles. We have so much to get to. We have so many takes to get to. There's even a rumor that one of us might actually be picking the Eagles in this game. So stay tuned for that. We also have the Eddie Hour to get to. We're going to hang down some medals. We have so much to get to, guys. So I don't want to waste your time. But please, like I said at the very top of this, if you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, if you're watching on YouTube, you might as well hit the subscribe button. You might as well hit the notification button. So that way, every single time we go live, you hear us, you see us. And you can jump in with us in the chat. And that is something we definitely recommend for everybody that wants to be a part of this. Hit us up in the chat. Let us know what you guys are thinking. What's going on in the world of sports for you guys? How do you see this matchup going between the Chiefs and the Eagles? So much to talk about. And I am so excited to finally talk. We're talking about our the Chiefs' third Super Bowl in four. We started the show in February of 2019. And we've talked about three Super Bowls in that four-year stretch. And it has been nothing short of incredible for us here at the Spoken Podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for being here with us. Uh, if I sound like I'm a little bit under the weather, that's because I am. And um, the world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, is a very funny place because it decides uh, somebody that doesn't ever get sick like myself decides to give me a sickness right in the middle of Super Bowl week. So I'm going to thank the Mother Nature, universe, whatever the hell is in control of all this stuff that we call life. I want to thank them for that. So, But you know what? They didn't stop me. You know, Jordan, Michael Jordan doing his gambling boat trips and, you know, late nights and Utah didn't stop him from playing really well in game six against the Jazz. Eh, I got my Scotty Pippins right here, man. We're ready to party, ready to tango. But I want to start where we should start, and it's not actually in the Super Bowl. Actually, what I want to do is I want to congratulate one Patrick Mahomes for winning his second NFL MVP season MVP. He's already got a school MVP. He's about to work on a second in that as well. But before we get to that, I definitely want to congratulate him on that because of the fact that this man just had one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen a quarterback have in NFL history. And the most impressive thing about this is what Patrick Mahomes has done in such a short time. What I mean by that is we know there's a list of all-time great quarterbacks. Uh, we, we were going to list them off in just a second, but what Patrick Holmes is doing in such a short time is unlike anything we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. What I mean by that in this particular aspect is when it comes to winning your second MVP, most quarterbacks, even the all-time greats, and by the way, there's only, I think there's only been seven or eight quarterbacks total that have ever won multiple MVPs in NFL history. But of those quarterbacks, Patrick Holmes is the youngest. 
For instance, these quarterbacks won their second MVPs at this age. Joe Montana was 34. Steve Young was 33. Tom Brady was 33. Aaron Rodgers was 31. Kurt Warner was 30. Peyton Manning was 28. Brett Favre was 27, almost 20. He was a few months removed. And Patrick Holmes, who turned 27 at the beginning of this season, just won his second MVP. Now, I watched the entire awards uh, ceremony with Trevor. A lot of those awards, we were, we were on, uh, totally in lockstep with the NFL about Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Brian Dable, uh, Nick Bosa. Uh, I, didn't agree with just, I didn't agree with the Justin Jefferson one because I felt the Patrick Wilson won Offensive Player of the Year as well because he also won that in 2018, and this is a very, this is a very comparable season. Also, with Justin Jefferson having fewer receiving touchdowns than Jarek McKinnon this year, it's hard for me to say that guy was the best offensive player in the NFL this year. I'm sorry. Justin Jefferson? Yeah, I don't think he was the best offensive player in the league this year. I do. Uh, when you have two touchdowns and a third screen running back, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to do that. Josh Jacobs, honestly, so I would, I would listen to Christian McCaffrey. He didn't get nominated. Yeah. Geno Smith getting comeback player of the year was very confusing to me because of the fact that he's not coming back from anything other than being a backup. Christian McCaffrey suffered a severe injury last year. So did uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. They should have been comeback player of the like year. Anybody. Well, uh, if you read the – just trying to talk. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the – the, uh, was it the – the uh, description of how to like how players get that award. Yeah, uh, comeback player of the year includes players that had a terrible season last year, and then uh, they obviously got better this year. Gino didn't play last year, <laughs> but that's what yeah. I'm saying. So you go from a bad season because you didn't even start right. to uh, becoming a starter neutral. So you become so you become a comeback player of the year. You know, but so I just think there's other guys that were far more receiver. They were far more deserving of. Like I said, Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick had a bad injury last year. It was an Achilles injury last year. Comes back and has been one of the best pass rushers in football for the Philadelphia Eagles, which, by the way, has a great story because he grew up literally right over the bay yeah. of Philadelphia when he was a kid. Harsh environment. Uh, Tom Rinaldi had a great story on it. The, the point I'm making, though, is the majority of these war, awards I agreed with. I saw Sean McDermott getting in there over Sirianni. Yeah, I didn't, uh, yeah, Sirianni yeah the nominees nominated. could be yeah, have been better. But uh, the majority of the awards, so, who they went to was, I think, the right the right. Deserving recipient, yeah. but see, I don't want to sound like I'm crying over spilt milk here, but there's a real problem when a quarterback that had the season that Patrick Mahomes had yeah. and the context that he had it in didn't win it. You name it. See, I understand. I can I can process why somebody would have voted for Jalen Hurts. The way he got walked out of it, and people were trying to flip it and say that was like that was unfair. But see, the problem for Jalen Hurts was. Not only did he miss multiple games this season, but his backup quarterback scored 34 points in his in his replacement on the road against their biggest rival, the Dallas Cowboys, a 12-win team, 13-win team, or it was a 12-13-win team. But also the fact that when Jalen Hurts was healthy in lockstep with Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes was dominating him in production, dominating him. Patrick Mahomes had more passing yards before Jalen Hurts got injured. He had more passing yards than Jalen Hurts had total yards. So... And he had more total more passing touchdowns than Jalen Hurts had total touchdowns. And Jalen Hurts had like 13 rushing touchdowns. So Jalen Hurts had a magnificent season. But in no way, shape, or form was he the MVP this season. But he would be the guy I would listen to. The fact that anybody else, not only anybody else got a vote, but Josh Allen got a vote, the same guy that led the league in turnovers, the same guy that was penciled as the Super Bowl favorite with the Bills, the MVP favorite this year, failed the way he did, and he still got a vote. 
I said this before Nick Craig because I know people are going to say I tried to copy Nick, but I saw Nick hours after I tweeted this out on his show say the same thing, and I'm going to say it again. Whoever voted for Josh Allen should legitimately lose their vote. And it's not even because I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. I think he should have got that vote. It's the fact that Josh Allen had no business getting that vote. If Jalen Hurts would have got two of those votes, yeah, I could live with that. Or even if Joe Burrow. Joe, or Joe Burrow. Joe Thank Burrow you. Got one guys that were actually, yes, guys they were that were actually deserving of that. Six weeks of the NFL season. They went on like a 13-game winning streak. Yeah, yeah. yeah, even yeah they were on a huge – Joe Burrow was killing I'm it. I'm saying like the last seven weeks he was on fire. <laughs> Joe Burrow himself was on fire. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the point in all this is, is that for whatever reason – there's such a bias out there still. And now, obviously, Patrick got 48 of the 50, so we know the majority of people believed he was the MVP. Yeah. But when you have a guy that led the NFL in yards and touchdowns, broke the single-season total yards record for a quarterback, led his team to the one seed, their fifth straight AFC, cha- uh, AFC championship home game, their third Super Bowl in four years after losing a superstar wide receiver while also having eight rookies start, if that guy isn't the unanimous MVP, no one should be. We just saw three and a half, four years ago, Lamar Jackson win unanimous MVP. What did Lamar Jackson do that season that Patrick Mahomes just didn't do? I'm sorry. Lamar Jackson, you want to call him a unanimous MVP? MVP, I can live with that. Yeah, he deserved that. But don't tell me he is, but Patrick this year wasn't. You can't do that. It doesn't make sense. I will say this, though. I don't think anybody looking back when we're talking about who had, like, when we look back on um, Peyton Manning's MVPs and things like that, we don't really ever question if he was unanimous or not. I don't think it's going to matter that much. I know it matters right now in the moment, and it feels disrespectful, the fact that Josh Allen is one of those guys who got that vote. I wouldn't have been that, that upset if Joe Burrow got one of those votes. Right. I'm not going to lie, because he's a – But that's what makes us even worse. Is the fact that Patrick didn't get – not only didn't get the unanimous MVP vote, Josh Allen got a vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but ridiculous. I'm just saying, when we look back at this in like 10 years, we're not even going to like question, oh, so was he unanimous? We're just going to question, oh, yeah, he was MVP that year. Everyone knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I – I know it sucks and it feels like a slight in the moment, yeah. but I don't think it's because going to be that big of a he deal. He should have been unanimous MVP yeah. is what I'm saying, and he would have been one of the three guys in history to ever get Just unanimous like LeBron, MVP. when you know he never got a unanimous one when he should have numerous times, and there's yeah. always that Bostonian voter that just didn't like him because he was the Celtics because he always shit on the Celtics. Yep. You know, and then the Steph Curry also gets a unanimous one. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. this is like, bro, LeBron deserved like four unanimous MVPs, yep. and Steph gets his. Okay. He was never better than LeBron, but okay. Regardless, we want to we want to congratulate Patrick Mahomes. It was more than deserving. He made an absolute statement this year without Tyree Kill to to lose a superstar receiver like that, and to not only not miss a beat, yeah. to, to add another beat to the equation, and to be even better than what you were a year previous, yeah. and beat the team that beat you in the AFC Championship the year previous, well, and have the most offensive, uh, have the most total offensive yards. And to lead the offense, the most offensive yards in production in the league without having a thousand yard receiver. I know he had a thousand yard receiving, but he's not a receiver. Right. Not a single receiver on this offense had over a thousand yards. I know Juju probably would have. He had like, like, like 933. Yes. Like that, yeah. But that's crazy to yeah. think about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you think most most teams will have at least, you know, two, almost three guys with over a thousand yards if you have that much production in the offense that lead the best offense in the league. And that means he's spreading the ball around to a bunch of guys that no one expected to be a part right. of this offense. Right. That alone itself is. It's a, I mean, that's so impressive. Man. Yep. Nothing short of it. Yeah. All right. So we have Super Bowl 57 to discuss. Uh, we had a lot of people at the beginning of the year were theorizing, you know, Eagles, Bills, Bengals, Niners, Bengals, uh, Eagles, Chiefs, Eagles, Chiefs, Niners. There's, there was like four or five teams that everyone was comfortable picking getting into the Super Bowl, and the Eagles were one of those teams. A lot of people were really high on this year. Eddie was the one that was highest on. Absolutely nailed his prediction, going fourteen and three this year. Um, I didn't see them being that good uh, because of the fact that I thought they were still a year away. Defense, I thought Jalen Hurts was still a year away. I didn't know what they were. Gonna get. 
Yeah, that, that we did acknowledge that. We said the schedule is going to be something that was going to definitely help them. That's why I had them as a 10-win team, winning the division. Obviously, that wasn't the case. And the, AFC, the NFC East was unbelievably great this year. Oh, well, yeah. Outside of the NFC East, though, the NFC was pretty was watered down. Horrible. I mean, we saw and, how good the Vikings looked. And the that's season. Week, they caught us off guard. Yeah, and not so much yeah. of the fact that the Eagles also got to play the AFC South this year. One of the worst divisions, if not the worst division in football this year. So they had a lot of breaks go their way. And trust me when I say we're going to talk plenty about that. But let's strap in, guys, because I got some takes here. And I want to get right to this stuff because I think that the, the, the viewing and the listing audience deserve that because we know why we're here today. Uh, despite the fact that Trevor and I are a little under the weather, Eddie had himself a fun night last night. We won't go into details of what took place, but let's just say Eddie had himself a Charlie Sheen experience, if you will. <laughs> but needless to say, we all have had ourselves a week, okay? And we were still just as excited as if we were if we were healthy individuals right now. We needed to get this one across because I need you guys to understand why we feel the way that we feel about the outcomes we see happening this weekend against the Chiefs and Eagles. And as I said, these are two of the most worthy candidates to be in the Super Bowl. In fact, this is one of the better matchups on paper that we have seen in a very long time. Uh, I would say that this is, like I said, one of the best matchups. And with the trends that have gone the way we did, Eddie, we were talking last night about some of the weird streaks and trends and things of that nature. This could be one of those games that maybe bucks some of the trends, in particular with the over-under. I believe now four or five straight Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl games have gone on the under. Um, so that could be something that maybe doesn't end up happening because I think the over under right now is 51 and a half. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. that could be something that depending on the book, it's yeah. 51 and a half. Yeah, so we, we we can see some things breaking down. But speaking of this matchup, there's some interesting little things I want to get to before we actually talk about the, the teams going against each other. This this matchup gives us the second largest age gap between both head coaches. Andy Reid is 64 years old, Nick Sirianni just turned 41. Uh, since 2000. The older coach in the Super Bowl has gone 13 and 9. And since 2010, they've gone 9 and 4. And that includes Andy Reid over Kyle Shanahan at Super Bowl 54. I want to get to the, the biggest question, I think, of all this. I think we've focused so much on Patrick Mahomes' ankle. That's been, everybody's been talking about that so much. Is he going to be healthy enough to, to escape the pocket? Is he going to play? He, can he, yeah, can he avoid the pressure? Like Charles Woodson's dumbass said last week about, oh, I don't think he can play the whole game against the Eagles that has one of his greatest games of his career. He did. I think the thing we need to focus on more is Jalen Hurts in this game. And I'm going to break that down for just a second. And I, and I have an interesting, maybe Trevor, you'll disagree with me. I already, I already kind of touched on this with Eddie a couple of days ago. Now we're going to touch it. We're going to touch a lot of it. We're going to just up and down. Uh, but, no, we, there's there's a comparison I want to bring up when it comes to Jalen Hurts and this Eagles team, and it has to do with the Chiefs. So, first and foremost, as a passing quarterback, Jalen Hurts is more of an Alex Smith than an elite quarterback. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm not saying, and let me, let me go ahead and just bring it out, Jalen Hurts is significantly better than Alex Smith. That's not me saying that. These two are the same player. But the style in which he plays and what he has to rely on is very similar to what Alex Smith was in his Kansas City tenure. So for five years, let me, just, let me show you the comparisons, okay? Five years he averaged in Kansas City a 65 completion percentage with 3,522 passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, 7.2 yards per attempt with a 95 quarterback rating. This season, Jalen Hurts completed 67% of his passes, threw just over 3,700 yards with 22 passing touchdowns, six interceptions, eight yards per attempt with a 102 quarterback rating. 
And I know, in fact, uh, folks will say that, well, Hurts only played 15 games this year. But did you guys know that in five seasons of the Chiefs, Alex Smith only played 16 games once? He played 15 games all four another year. So the numbers are very equal in consideration. Not to mention the fact that Jalen Hurts actually has better weapons around him than Alex Smith really ever had. Outside of a couple of good years of Jamal Charles and Travis Kelsey, who was nowhere near the player he is over the last six, seven years, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith would have clearly been the best receivers that Alex Smith would have ever have had. And he has, let's be honest, good offensive lines against it early on for Alex Smith. This offensive line for the Eagles would be by far his best offensive yeah. line. Not even, not even, I'm not even going to debate that. And, again, Hurts is the better version. Far better athlete. Far better athlete. But Alex Smith Alex had was a, a great athlete. strength. That's he was being able to create with his feet. Yeah. Saw him doing the NFC Championship against our NFC Divisional round against the Saints. Boy, legs. Saw him do it for the Chiefs many times on third yeah. downs, Chargers. Hell yeah. That's that was strong. something he was strong, but that's the same thing that Jalen Hurts is great at. Alex Smith never had a great arm. Jalen Hurts doesn't have a great arm. Yeah, a They're not really good at the deep ball when it comes to consistently throughout the season, throughout big games. Yeah. Their strengths are pick and pop. And they go run out and create something with your feet. Very similar quarterbacks. And I think this comparison is more valid than some realize. <clears throat> now, when it comes to the Chiefs side of things, I heard someone on 610 Sports Radio say this week, I don't remember who it was. It was one of the fill-in guys. So forgive me. I'm trying to give credit to who credit's due. Um, they, I heard them compare this to the 15 Chiefs. An absolutely stacked roster from top to bottom. In fact, the defense was third in the NFL scoring defense. The Eagles defense this year kind of so they actually had a better overall defense last year, even though the sack numbers are obviously in the Eagles' favor. Scoring's up, I think, this year, too, overall. Sure, but I'm saying that the, that Chiefs yeah. season, I'm going to break it down in a second, faced far better quarterbacks. Yeah. Far better quarterbacks. And they even had a lighter schedule compared to the Eagles' schedule. It's hard not to face better quarterbacks in the schedule. Yeah. Season. yeah. The 2015 Chiefs also had the ninth-ranked scoring offense. They had a top-10 offense and a top-five defense. The Eagles' uh, offense this year was second overall, so they had a better offense. So it kind of washes out. The 2015 Chiefs, team had a lot like was a lot like this Eagles team a talented bunch with a very favorable schedule that did not present them many challenges when it came to opposing quarterbacks but when they did face that challenge that opposing quarterback had one hell of a day you should go look at uh, check out Aaron Rodgers numbers against that 2015 Chiefs team yikes um this went all the way into the wild card matchup with Brian the Brian Hoyer uh Brian Hoyer led Texans who the Chiefs beat literally from the kickoff uh, Hoyer threw four interceptions, one on his first throw of the game, and the Chiefs rolled 30-0 to zero, despite Alex Smith doing essentially nothing. He went 17-22 with 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception with a 99 quarterback rating. That sounds an awful lot like the Eagles. Not being tested by the Giants, who clearly had no business being in the playoffs. Then to the 49ers, somehow managed to lose all four of their quarterbacks, which is something I've never seen before, to injury. The Eagles have beaten the last two playoff points by a score of 69 nice to 14, despite Jalen Hurts putting up a combined 175 passing yards. The 2015 Chiefs beat their last five opponents by a total of 115 to 45. Alex Smith in those games averaged 167 passing yards. But a lot of the Eagles, the Chiefs ran to an elite quarterback following week, and that was the one thing they could not overcome. No matter how deep they were as a roster, no matter how easy winning looked at times for those teams, they simply could not overcome playing the best at the most important position. Did you guys know that the Eagles 
have not beaten a playoff team with a healthy quarterback since week four outside of the Giants. Since week four. Like the Jaguars for week three, right? Week four. That was oh, the last yeah, game they yeah, beat with the healthy team. That was a monsoon game with Jacksonville. They were terrible before. That was yeah. before they caught their the Jags was yeah. no, They were nowhere near the Jags team. It was at the end of the year. They have faced only two good quarterbacks since week five, Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott. Yeah. And those quarterbacks put up 33 and 40 points on the Eagles defense. This and it, look, this Eagles defense is good. I am not trying to sit here and say they're frauds. The defensive line is really good. But so was that 2015 Chiefs defense. They were just as good, in my opinion. But they weren't good enough to beat Tom Brady. That's what happened the next week after they, they beat the Texans by 30. The Eagles defense, in my eyes, is not good enough to beat Patrick Mahomes. As we know, this game is being held at State Farm Stadium, which is in a dome. Do you guys know what Patrick Mahomes' career numbers in a dome are? Dome games in his career? Probably don't suck. Yeah, so the Chiefs are 8-0 in those games. Uh, he completes 64% of his passes. Like that. 321 passing yards. Better. 19 touchdowns to only two interceptions. 7.6 yards per attempt with a 103 quarterback rating. Yahtzee. Do you guys remember what Patrick Mahomes' numbers were in week one when the Chiefs played that, ex in that exact same state with a bunch of unproved commodities in this offense? He was 30 of 39, 360 passing yards with five touchdowns with a 144 quarterback rating. And again, that was the first game these guys played together. The game I think this is going to resemble is the game that took place on that very same field in week one. Cardinals defensive coordinator uh, Vance Joseph blitzed Patrick Mahomes on 54% of their plays. That was 36 times. Joseph was quoted after that game stating that he knew that was their only hope of stopping Mahomes. <laughs> While the Eagles don't blitz nearly as much this season as the Cardinals did, they were 10 behind the Chiefs for the most quarterback pressures in the league. They knew they know they led the NFL in sacks by 15. We know that getting pressures on the quarterback is what makes the defense so good. Do you know what the Chiefs did against teams in the top 10 in quarterback pressures this season? They went 4-0. Do you know what the Chiefs did against teams in the top 10, top 10 in sacks this season? They went 3-0. and And they scored 40 in two of those games. Over 40, I should say. Why have the Bengals always been the team over the last 12 to 15 months? The, one, the, the, the Chiefs, in particular, Patrick Mahomes, there's so much grief over the last... Like I said, 12 to 15 months. Why, why is that? Was it because they had this incredible pass rush, blitzing all the time, hitting Patrick Holmes left and right? No. It was because they dropped eight defenders and made Patrick Holmes be patient. They made him change his game. He literally had to change the way he played football. He was a great quarterback on the opposing side. Exactly. Thank you. That's not the Eagles' way. They don't play drop eight. They don't play conservative defense. They pin their ears back and they go get the quarterback. Because that's what made, that's what's made that successful against bottom barrel backup quarterbacks this season. The Eagles' defense ranks eighth in scoring defense this year. They faced they faced five of the top ten offenses, and in those games, they allowed twenty four points per game. They allowed nineteen points per game against everybody else. That is a five point difference. And I know what folks are. I know what they've been saying. In regards to the Eagles' ability to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and how he, how the Eagles come into this game with an uh, advantage in the trenches, well, first off, the Chiefs not only have the best defensive player in this matchup, who happens to play in the trenches, and Chris Jones, the Chiefs not only led the league in pressures in two in second and sacks to, to fight despite facing Joe Burrow twice, 
Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence twice, Justin Herbert twice, Tom Brady, Geno Smith, and Derek Carr. Their offensive line has actually outperformed the Eagles' offensive line this year. Let me tell you what. Sacks allowed this season, playoffs included. The Eagles, 46. The Chiefs, 29. But let's say let's let's just say the Eagles force Patrick Holmes to stay in the pocket and somehow not allow him to get out of the pocket and create that trademark Mahomes magic. It still doesn't give the Eagles the upper hand. And I'll explain why right here. So Mahomes in the postseason, and they get one leg in the pocket. I'm sorry, out of the pocket. He's eight of nine for eighty uh, with an eighty-nine completion percentage, eight point four yards per pass with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Inside the pocket, he's still completing 67% passes, uh, seven yards per attempt, two touchdowns to zero interception. In other words, the Eagles are going to have to pick their poison, but either way, they're going to get poisoned. And when it comes to the Chiefs' defense and their game plan against Jalen Hurts, it's actually very simple. Make him throw. We've seen the Chiefs struggle against uh, one particular dual threat quarterback, and it's Josh Allen. But that was due to the fact that Josh Allen has an absolute missile launcher for an arm. He's an elite thrower of the football. He's one of the three best quarterbacks in football. He has the best deep ball. Jalen Hurts is not Josh Allen. And not only is he not elite at throwing the football like a Josh Allen, his throwing shoulder is still very much banged up, and it's been evident over these last few weeks. I have to remember, guys, Jalen Hurts missed missed two games as he was resting that shoulder. And these are his numbers since his return compared to his first 14 games. So the first 14 games, he completed 60, uh, 62% of his passes, had 18 touchdowns to three interceptions with a 115 quarterback rating. Really good. Since then, he's barely completing 51% of his passes, has zero touchdown passes to two interceptions with a 69 quarterback rating. The Chiefs have a defense that has, that, that has shown us over the last two months that they can dictate what a quarterback can do against them and what they can't do against them. Look at these last two playoff games. Against better quarterbacks, and I know Eddie and I have had our debates, Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, a better thrower of the football than Jalen Hurts. He had, against these two quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, the Chiefs held those two guys to an average of 62 completion percentage, 244 yards, two touchdowns to three interceptions, only 6.1 yards per attempt with a 72 quarterback rating. And both of these quarterbacks had a full stable of weapons. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, uh, Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Shmaja P. Ryan, uh, Christian Kirk, um, the Ingram, all their weapons. Travis Etienne was there, and they held him to those numbers. Exactly. Back-to-back weapons. <laughs> With Latrice leading in and out of the lineup. Willie Gay in and out of the lineup. Furthermore, the Chiefs' defense has been surprisingly dominant against dual threat quarterbacks this season outside of Josh Allen. I'm not even including Josh Allen's numbers. Versus dual threat quarterbacks this season, the Chiefs were 5 and 1. Their defense allowed 21 points per game, 195 passing yards, 123 rushing, rushing yards per game, but that didn't matter because they still went 5 and 1. The biggest misconception about this Chiefs' defense is their passing defense and how they give up too many touchdowns. I was actually talking to how about how about those Chiefs, Cole uh, Del Ruse, Del Ruse, I'm, I'm butchering his name and I apologize, but Cole, really good guy, good friend of ours. Um, he was he was asking the same question about are you a little concerned about the pass defense? I'm not. I'm not I'm not concerned about the Chiefs pass defense. And I'm gonna tell you why I got this stat right here. Because yes, it is true that the Chiefs did finish dead last in passing touchdowns allowed. 
But there is context to the stat that many have not been made aware of or are simply refusing to acknowledge it. So the Chiefs defense did allow 33 passing touchdowns this season. 16 of those 33 touchdowns were allowed when the Chiefs had a double-digit lead. In other words, and it's obviously not ideal to give up passing touchdowns at any point of the game, but when you have a demanding and commanding lead over a team and they score a touchdown late in the game like we saw against the Jaguars, we saw against the Cardinals, we saw against the Buccaneers, we saw against many teams this season when the Chiefs had commanding leads. Uh, the Seahawks, I think, was one of them as well. Do they really matter? No, but they'll still go in the stack home, and it makes, it makes your defense look worse than they actually are. And that's the point about this defense. Since week 11, they're one of the five best defenses in efficiency. They've been locking down corner. They've been locking down receivers. You just saw T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd combined for 198 yards and one touchdown against the Chiefs just two weeks ago. Those are three of the best receivers in football as a tandem. And they kept them to under 200 yards combined. And we're talking about rookie corners. Legereus got knocked out of the game in the first quarter, and it looked like it didn't matter. It looked like they got better. That's not going to slight the luxurious. I love the dude. But Brian Cook stepped up. Josh Williams stepped up. Jalen Watson, Watson stepped up. Juan Thornhill, the veteran, stepped up. Justin Reed was making big hits. The secondary, and we talked about this from the beginning of the year when I talked about this draft, about how I would have preferred them going after pass rush because that's usually how defenses primarily make defense work, and especially for a guy like Spags who loves to dial up blitzes. Well, something about Spags. Spags gets his guys ready towards the end of the year, too. He has yes. always they, firing on all cylinders. They built their own version of the Seahawks secondary from 10 years ago. I'm not saying it's anywhere close to that because that was a legendary defense, but they took this. Same mentality of let's lock down passing defense. And you're seeing that. Did I like some of the growing pains this defense went through this year? No. I hated the way they played it against the Bills. They practically hated them that fucking game. I hated the way they played against the Bengals earlier in the year. But what did they do in the postseason? What did they do down the stretch? They locked that shit down. They talked about the Bengals talked about how they ran a completely different defense against us this time in week 13. That was not the same defense. Chiefs are very methodical, conservative-style defense against them in Week 13. They came out there, guns blazing. You think it's going to be any fucking different this week against the Eagles, knowing that all the chips are on the table? Doubt it. I don't think so. And I love this conversation about just two weeks ago about how Joe Burrow will take the crown from Patrick Mahomes if the Eagles beat the Chiefs. Then it went to absolute radio silence. Why is that? Was it maybe because the Chiefs won, or was it because of the one-legged Patrick Mahomes absolutely outperformed Joe Burrow? The same Joe Burrow sacked five times and when given a clean pocket still managed to throw two interceptions. I realize that this is the NFL. I get that this is the Super Bowl, so nothing is achieved easily. But to me, this matchup is for the Chiefs is very simple. Keep Hurts in the pocket, force him to throw the ball, and the Chiefs will win this game comfortably. The Chiefs had a playoff experience and talent advantage over the Jaguars. That's why they won that game. You saw Chad Haney walk in there and do a 98-yard drive. Touchdown. The Chiefs had an offensive line and defensive line advantage over the Bengals. Five sacks. Couldn't touch Patrick Mahomes. He runs for a first down, gets a penalty. Chiefs get in field goal range, kick the game over. The Chiefs have a head coach and quarterback advantage against the Eagles. And what did I say from the very beginning of the season why I was picking the Chiefs to get back to the Super Bowl? Even losing Tyreek Hill. Even having all these rookies starting, then we have no idea what we're going to get from these guys. All these questions. Why did I stand on and stake my flag on the ground and say the Chiefs are still going there with the AFC going on an absolute spending spree? Vaughn Miller going to the Bills. You know, the Chargers getting J.C. Jackson, Cornel Mack. 
All these teams just piling up talent. Why did I still pick the Chiefs? Because they have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And as we see for another year, that is the difference. That is why they're here. Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, and Eric Bieniemy have coached and combined 14 Super Bowls. And that goes from being assistants, head coach, whatever it was they had as positionary coaches. They have 14 Super Bowls in their experience bag. Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, and Jonathan Gannon have a combined one Super Bowl experience. And Jalen Hurts, to his credit, has been a big moment similar to the Super Bowl uh, to the Super Bowl back in his college career. It's very similar to the Super Bowl, uh, their, the college championship game. I mean, we know that millions of people watch that game. 100,000 people are at every single one of them. It's a big scene. Well, even in those moments, he either fell short, like in 2017's championship game, he completed 42% of his passes, threw only 131 yards and one touchdown, and lost to Sean Watson, the Tigers, 35 to 31. No, that's the next one, 2018. And then 2018, rookie to attack by replaced him mid game and with the very, uh, and then and became the uh, absolute hero when we come by with the walk off touchdown to beat Georgia. They had a bench Jalen Hurts in there to become the hero. And sure, Jalen Hurts deserves tons of credit for being the leader and teammate he was in those moments by rallying around two of them. I'm just so glad we're a champion. That dude is because he's a good human being. For sure. Jalen Hurts is a great man. I love that guy. Yeah, great. thank you. <laughs> You're making my point. But that, but it still has to be recognized that he failed to get the job done in those two big moments. Yeah. And through three postseason games of his NFL career, I've yet to be impressed. Against the Bucks last year, he was terrible. And I didn't hold that against him. He was a young dude. That team wasn't ready for that. That Bucks team was just clearly outclassing him. But he wasn't good. And then the two games this year, less than 200 passing yards combined. And now, granted, they didn't have to have him do anything, but the point remains, he didn't look good. Throws were left and right. He couldn't make throws downfield. Nick Wright had a chart on first things first. That since his injury, completing 0% of his passes throwing right all the way up the field. From screen passes to hell areas, 0%. <coughs> That's why a lot of people say this Eagles team has no weaknesses. There's definitely some weaknesses at the quarterback position. Right. Yeah. And now at the biggest stage of them all, how am I supposed to convince myself or to anyone that he will go blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes who's already held the Lombardi who's making his third Super Bowl appearance? I can't do it because I don't think he's capable, especially with an injured throwing shoulder. I'm going to give you guys my prediction in just a minute as how I see this game going. But I really hope this breakdown really helps people understand why my prediction is going to be what it is. Now, I'm going to pass it off to Trevor Nettie, but I, nothing in anything that I just said here was an opinion. Every single thing I went off was factual evidence that we have leading into this game. And another fact I want to drop before we give it to Trevor is, do you guys know that I think it's the last five or six Super Bowl champions all had the longest winning streak going into the Super Bowl between the two teams? I think it's like the last five or six Super Bowl champions. That is something. I know we talk about the weird trends, about the like the colored jerseys and stuff. That team usually wins like 13 of the last 15. Long momentum. Yeah. Yes. 16 of the last 15 teams that wore light colored jerseys won the Super Bowl. That's a weird one. I don't know if I buy into it, but it's kind of cool. That's but, fun. But the winning streak one, I 100% buy into. Yeah. 100% buy into. Yeah, it's confidence. I, I think that's a real thing. Yeah. Trevor, 
give me your thoughts on how this matchup, like how you see this matchup going into it, and then we're going to go to predictions after we're done with Eddie. Well, I'm just going to roll off that last point and just carry on <laughs> what you just said about how you don't think or do you expect the Eagles and Jalen Hurts to go blow for blow. And I agree with that. And the Eagles coaching staff know that. So this is why I mean, I, their game plan coming in to try to run the ball. Like they do. And that's their biggest strength on offense is running the ball, controlling the clock, and keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. But our defense has been out, especially the last few weeks, leading into the postseason, as slowing the rundown. Even in the postseason, slowing down Travis Etienne, not letting him pop off. You know, a better running back than any Eagles running backs are. You know, Travis Etienne is one of the best running backs in the league at this point. I had one of the better years of anybody this year. Um, the yards per carry and his ability in the passing game, things like that. We didn't let him pop off. Um, so, granted, this is a better O line. This is a better uh, uh, scheme. This O line blocks really well. They're very, very good at bouncing the run, just like um, you've heard to the, the Niners guys come out and talk about how they're really good at bouncing on the outside and, and having blockers uh, that, you know, that the whole O line will shift and block downfield. And the, the, the scheme they have to, to create space and, and the holes for their running backs on the outside. Uh, it's incredible. They're very good at it. But our defense has been pretty stout against the run, man. And if Dick Bolton and, and Willie Gay and our guys up front are, uh, you know, guys like Derek Nadi and guys that are, you know, great gap filler kind of <clears throat> kind of guys, we've been very stout against the run. Um, and I think that's just something we can key in on and, and force Jalen Hurts to throw the ball and force him to try to go toe-for-toe toe, uh, and points-for-points with the Chiefs. Um, because that's that is our biggest strategy, I believe, too. I think I think our, our, our strategies coming in this game are completely opposite. Right, the Chiefs. I think we have to go up early because the Eagles are the best first quarter offense in the league. They've scored. I think there was some crazy stat about they've scored like almost like points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, on like every single opening drive outside of like one or two games. It's right. crazy. So they always they always, their scripted opening drives are incredible. So we can stop that, and, or if we get the we take the ball first, or whatever. We got to score first. We got to strike first, and just keep pounding on, you know, and, and building on that lead and forcing them to chase us. Because I think that's the best formula to to beat them. Because I do not, I as much as I do like Jalen Hurts, I think he's a talented guy. I think he's an incredible athlete and running the ball. We can talk about how you know great that is, but the number one objective for a quarterback is to throw the ball, right? That is that's the number one skill set you have. I don't think he's the best thrower of the ball, especially right now with him being you know uh, hampered with that injury. Shoulder injury is is one of the worst injuries you can sustain. As a quarterback, you know, elbow, shoulder, that, those are the two joints you need the most, especially when it's your throwing arm. Right. You know what I mean? So that's that's a serious issue. We can talk about Pat's ankle all you want. Pat doesn't need legs, guys. Pat doesn't even need – Pat could be running on knees. Just two, two nubs out there and still get it done. <laughs> I mean, we've seen guys like – we've seen guys like Ben, guys like that that don't have to have, you know, legs to just complete great, arm, great throws because they have incredible arm talent. And Pat just – and Pat's ability to see the blitzes now and see that – defense is a pre-snap he's getting he's getting better and better at it and we've seen it man just in the last game against the Bengals you know calling out blitzes calling out guys who's coming who's not that's huge man that's a new development for Patrick Mahomes that I've seen him rapidly grow especially this year because he, he was kind of forced to because he didn't have you know that other safety blanket and Tyreek kill so he had to learn to adapt and he's done nothing but that so yeah I think the two objectives for both of these teams is the polar opposites of each other I think the Chiefs want to go out there and light up the scoreboard force the Eagles to chase because the Eagles are a front-running offense and they don't do not play good coming from behind because Jalen Hurts can't score in bunches. He can't score quickly. Uh, in some games, they have. They've had some big uh, um, plays. You know, the guys like A.J. Brown, he, uh, you know, home run play, the Titans game perhaps, uh, when they had, you know, explosive play after explosive play. Yeah. Granted, that was the worst secondary in the league they were going against. You know what I mean? So, uh, and that was a massive revenge game for A.J. Brown. So he was not going to be denied in that game. Um, and, 
you know, and that was before the injury for Jalen Hurts. So he's he's definitely come down to earth with the deep balls and things like that. He hasn't had a completion over 20 yards in some time uh, now. So I, I do think the, the Chiefs have the massive advantage here as, as far as offenses goes. And I know the Eagles offense was great this year. But, again, we could talk about the competition, the defense they went against, the pace of the game, and the way they control the clock and kept even bad quarterbacks on the sidelines. But their defense was great, obviously, against those bad quarterbacks. You, you play who you play, and I get it. Their numbers are inflated. I do believe their numbers are inflated. But talking about that inflated numbers, uh, John Harrison dropped a, a, a stat on us. Sweet, forty-seven of their seventy, uh, forty-seven of their seventy regular season sacks came in seven games against quarterbacks that hold the ball too long. Andy Dalton, Daniel Jones, nine against Carson Wentz. It's like. They're John, good. John pays attention to our posts. I like yeah. that. It's like they're good, but the media acts like they are the 85 Bears. They're not. Right. And by the way, they had seven against Andy Dalton and Saints still won 20 to 10 in Philly. Yeah. Right. So right. This is why I don't I mean, we've seen bad Chiefs defenses have a lot of sacks in seasons, mm -hmm. you know, but but we our, our secondary gets and uh, listen, no and no dis, no discredit to uh uh Darius Slay, who I love and respect. I think he's one of the best corners in the league. That secondary can be had, bro. Like that secondary, you look around the, the rest of the town. It's, it, I think I'm not, I'm not jumping ahead, but I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a massive mismatch here for that secondary. Their linebackers and their safeties are not going to play him. Uh, they're going to have to double him, and that's just going to open up other opportunities. But I think that secondary is a honestly possible weakness because they didn't play a lot of quarterbacks that can expose them. Andy Dalton had a good game against them, and they got sacked that many times. They still found ways to find Chris Olave downfield and score touchdowns and blah blah blah. And that's Andy Dalton, guys. Like we're talking about, this is a massive difference here as far as talent and and knowledge of the game and experience that Patrick Holmes already has. Has been a Super Bowl victor, has been a Super Bowl MVP, has been in multiple Super Bowls before this even. You know what I mean? So there's just so much working in the Chiefs' favor, and it, I just think, I find it hilarious that all like the there's so much energy and 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 talking points in the in the Eagles' favor. You know what I mean? And we and like you said, I do find it odd that the, a lot of the conversations about Patrick Mahomes' injury. After he just went out there and, and beat a better team in my mind in the Bengals a couple weeks ago with it more of a hampered length and then you know with two extra weeks of healing going into this matchup. So listen, I like the Chiefs in this matchup. Obviously, that's not a homer take. I think that's a pure football take. I think the smart take is the Chiefs. Um, and if you're a betting person, the smart bet is the Chiefs because we're dogs for some goddamn reason. I find it hilarious. I actually like it because I prefer us being dogs. All it does is add more fire under our asses and. It, you want to light fire in her ass any locker room, it better not be the Chiefs, bro, because we know we, we know what we do in these moments. So, and especially Patrick Mahomes, Petty Mahomes, when he gets out there and he's he's getting doubted. I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I think this, I think this, I think this game is pretty simple on what both teams want to do. <coughs> I think the Chiefs want to go throw throw that's all over that secondary. Um, obviously establish the run. I think Pacheco could have a good chance because the Eagles do play a bend don't break defense. They're not some defense that forces a lot of punts. No. They will, they will, they will, they will play a lot of bend up break defense and settle for field goals, hold you to field goals. When things get tight, they do stiffen up. I will give them that because that defensive line is great. And it's extremely talented. I'm not going to act like they're not. Their pass rush is incredible. They have dogs in that line. I'm not going to act like they don't. But they're not a team that you know. I mean, they only allowed what 25 fewer points. They only allowed 25 fewer points in our defense this season. You know what I mean? 25 exactly. But I mean, but this but that that also correlates with the pace of our games. And teams having to chase and score a lot more points to keep up with our offense rather than theirs. And that's something else I want to add to this equation is experience matters in this matchup for one particular reason. Yeah. One big reason. 
something our guy Nick Wright said on First Things First yesterday to Mark Schlereth, who has the Eagles winning this game by at least 10. Of course he is. Nick Wright brought up the fact that the Buccaneers' loss in the Super Bowl rings truer to Patrick Mahomes and, and moving forward in his career than the Super Bowl win the 49ers. Biggest reason why? Because they got beat up in the interior. Patrick Mahomes, had a, he literally scrambled for 497 yards in that game. And, and he got more pressure than any other quarterback in the history of football in any game ever. That so watch, that's why the Chiefs have spent so much money and time on their offensive line over the last two years. This Eagles defense is the exact same style of defense as that Bucks defense from three years or two years ago. You really think the Chiefs are going to come into this game with the same problems they had against that Bucks team, knowing that that's what they're going to have to overcome? And not being ready for it this time, you're, you're out of your mind. Yeah. It isn't just the fact they've upgraded it at, at these positions; it's the experience of it, knowing what happened. And if they can get back, if they can go back, because I guarantee you, if Andy Reid had a time machine and had those exact same offensive linemen, I guarantee you that game would have went a little bit different. I'm not saying the Chiefs would have won. I'm saying that that game would have went a lot different because the Chiefs would have been more prepared for it. Exactly. And also the fact that we forget that even despite those inefficiencies at offensive line. There were multiple touchdowns dropped. One hit Damian or Daryl Williams right in the face mask, the famous yeah. side throw that Patrick Mahomes had towards yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. Drop touchdowns. A missed opportunity. Yeah. Tip hey, interceptions. Listen, I'm I'm a I know you're the you're the big X and the nose and stats guy. I'm more like the philosophical side of things and how what is motivating each individual what 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 going into this game is gonna be, you know, who has what motive. The massive amount of motive and motivation overall. <laughs> in this game is heavily in favor of the Chiefs. I mean, just think about the storyline for Andy Reid, what this Super Bowl means to Andy Reid, beating his, his team that he, you know, had 10-plus victories in the postseason with, went to a Super Bowl with, obviously lost to the Patriots, but had a lot of success with and was fired from. You know, Sirianni worked for, for Andy Reid. He's not going to let some guy that worked under him that he fired or let walk away uh, uh, come and beat him. Uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously being doubted all year, the, the the motivation train that he's had all year, that chip on his shoulder all year. Pat with the chip on his shoulder, good luck to anybody. Uh, all the all the things that have been said about this Chiefs team heading into the season. Now we're in the Super Bowl. You think we're going to let up now? We're shifting into the, the an extra gear that we didn't know we even had. You know, that locker room is probably so motivated, and all the things that for Andy Reid personally as a coach. You don't think he's going to have the greatest game plan and the. the just the motivation in general to go and, and win this game over my over his dead body, over Patrick Mahomes' dead body, over everybody in this locker room's dead body, bro. We're going to go win this game. The motivation is 100% on our side. I know that the Eagles, the story has been great. For, you know, they, they kind of overachieved a little last year and made the, the, the playoffs with the, bear, the one game over 598, I believe they were last year. Uh, and, you know, they got absolutely murked by the, the, the Bucks last season. Uh, but – this is there's just two different this is two different tiers of teams here and tiers of coaches and quarterbacks here, and when it, when it comes down to like, granted these both these teams are equally as talented I say maybe the roster of the Eagles is bigger names and probably more talent overall same amount of pro bowlers on both teams you know uh, great names and just damn near every position on these rosters, um, but when you have when you have the edge and the experience edge and the talent edge at quarterback when you have the experience in the the track record uh, of Andy Reid. Being here, done it, uh, uh, it has failed. You know what I mean? And, and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes both know what it's like to fail. The Eagles don't know. They're not battle-tested yet. Sirianni doesn't know. This roster, some of these guys know what it's like to win. Some of these guys, very few of these guys are left in that Super Bowl roster. You know, the Lane Johnsons and the Jason Kelseys of the world. Those guys have been there and done it and have failed and have won. 
Um, so there is that. But overall, I mean, this young roster, man, of the Chiefs and, and the Patrick Mahomes with the chip on their shoulder, Travis Kelsey, you know, with the chip on their shoulder from losing uh, that last year we had and then losing the AFC Championship game. We already got that one monkey off our back of uh, getting our revenge on the Bengals. The job's not done, though. We got one more game to complete, and I'm putting all my chips in the middle on the Chiefs because of motivation, because of experience, because of head coach, because of quarterback talent, and just the wherewithal of, of knowing what it's like to win and lose this game. And the, the Eagles are, you know, they're new here. We got to go prove that. We got to go show who's the better team, and I fully expect the Chiefs to do so. At the beginning, the beginning of the season, right before the season began, uh, we did our NFL prediction. <coughs> we did our NFL prediction show. Yep. I picked the Eagles fourteen and three. Uh, there was a reason why I did that. Uh, you look at their schedule; it was so it was an easy schedule. It, it they they faced really no 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 real. Petition really throughout the entire season, other than Dak Prescott, and you can say uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but the Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, yeah. they were struggling That's themselves. Yes, they were struggling themselves. So yeah, you know they still uh, put thirty on them, though. and they still put thirty. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you start you start looking back at games they lost to what we talked about earlier. They lost to the Saints uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, you can say Jalen Hurts didn't play. Yeah, Minshew almost threw for three hundred yards. In that game, and they still lost. Yep. So, I don't think Jalen Hurts would have changed much in that outcome. Uh, maybe add a few extra rushing yards uh, on there, but I think they—I just—they struggle against bad teams, but they also struggle against good quarterbacks. And they only face two good quarterbacks this season that you can really that you can sit here and say, "Yeah, they're good quarterbacks." And Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. This this Philadelphia team, I'm not saying they shouldn't be in the Super Bowl, but they did get lucky. We we have to remember that they 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 were a lucky team. They got some breaks. Uh, they faced the Giants. Obviously, being a divisional opponent, it can either go really good your way or it can go really bad your way. And we saw what happened in that game uh, against the 49ers. I think if Brock Purdy would have stayed in that game, I think they would have went uh, blow for blow in that game. Mm. I think they would have – because uh, right before halftime, I think it was uh, 14-7 with that Christian McCaffrey touchdown, and you were like, holy shit, they might come back. Well, that's with the Brock Purdy fumble that set yeah, them up. And, yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, that was with uh, – what's his name? Josh Johnson? Uh, him driving the ball. Yeah. And they were, starting, they were starting to get that rhythm. Uh, the Christian McCaffrey was starting to rush. Uh, so they were getting in there, and then the concussion hit. And, and that was it. It was game. I knew the, the game was over when Brock Purdy went down. But when Josh, Josh Johnson, their backup, went down, I was like, game. That's it. They're not going to put any more points if they put any. It was like, it, it's over. And you saw that defense, the 49ers defense. Yeah, they dropped over 30 on that, or they dropped 30 on that over 49ers defense. But you got to think, the 49ers were getting three and outs, three and outs. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all, yeah so their defense was gassed. Yeah. They were tired. You're always gonna be the tired defense. It, it it's just it just happens. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, they made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, however easy their schedule was, uh, they made it here. They deserve their respect. But I, I think overall, I think the Chiefs is a better team than the Eagles. Uh, having Patrick Mahomes on its own uh, should should put you on the lead. Uh, Embedding or whatever it is that they that they that they do.
prediction or whatnot. Just having Patrick Mahomes, what he did against the Bengals, nobody saw it coming. I didn't see it coming. I'm sure you guys didn't, especially with the hobbled ankle. You were like, yeah, he's going to have a good game, but, man, you were, you were, yeah, you were, you, you were, you weren't a hundred percent certain that he was going to have a great game like he did. You know what I mean? Because you're like, how how bad is his ankle? Yep. Uh, that to run for the first time, put the game away. Yeah, like, to put the game. Of course. Yeah. To, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes in that game, he put that team on his back. Yep. He carried this great to that, to that victory. That's crazy. It, with the hobbled ankle, he said, "Fuck it, I'm I'm running." And he took off and got the yards, and obviously he. Uh, unfortunate for the Bengals, the dude pushed them out of bounds, uh, and obviously gave him the extra 15 yards to to make the field goal. But Patrick Mahomes was spectacular in that game. Fuck, I can't. I haven't even talked about the Jaguars when he was like, he didn't even want to come out. He was mad at Andy Reid that he uh, that he uh, brought him out. He was bad. Yeah. No, yeah, no. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't I come back in? Yeah, find out if it was broken or not. He just exactly. wanted to risk it and stay out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, passion, man. And then uh, Andy Reid said, uh, "I have the fifty-one percent or whatever, whatever they said about the fifty-one percent." Yeah, I have the fifty-one percent vote. Uh, and yeah, he Which was is like, true. Yeah. and he was like, "Go." And when he told Patrick Mahomes to go get that X-ray, you saw the video, the footage of him running into the fucking in, into the tunnel. And trying to get that X-ray, Andy Reid said, "It's like I didn't even know he ran until like after uh, a couple of days after when I saw the video, and I was like, wow." <laughs> so uh, that just shows you what Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, I just don't see this Eagles defense going in there, and even if you blitz Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes like loves the blitz. I don't know what it is about Patrick Mahomes. You can't blitz the guy because he's gonna fucking tear you up. Yeah, it's crazy. The only way you can slow down Mahomes, I'm not saying they beat him or anything. The, you, the way you can slow him down is if you drop eight. But like you said, that is not the Eagles' style of defense, and and we've seen it uh, obviously. Uh, and uh, like you said, we're, this is more like a, a Tampa Bay kind of style of defense where they where they put the pressure on their quarterback, and and obviously they did in the Super Bowl. They were putting the pressure, uh, so it, it it's just. Very, very hard for me to sit here and say the Eagles are the better team. They, they might have more depth. Uh, we can, we can, we can say that. Yeah, they have better depth than what the Chiefs do. Mm-hmm. But I think if you uh, superstar power, uh, star talent kind of players, I think the Chiefs have more. I know they're saying that Jason Kelsey is one of the greatest. He's arguably the greatest center. I think center. edge rushing receivers yeah. with Alshon. Uh, uh, Jason Kelsey is arguably the greatest center uh, of all time in, in football. He's up there. But Crit Humphrey, if he yes. outran- he outranked him Guys, this season. I, I don't Our think offensive line he was, was better than theirs. Yeah. Uh, Creed Humphrey was, uh, I think, uh, I mean, we he's don't care pro. about. Yeah, he's an all pro. Like, we, we can't discredit that, man. Crit Humphrey's. Might have played a better season than what Jason Kelsey had. Jason Kelsey, and that better. is crazy. Jason Kelsey's a better at downfield blocking for run plays, but that's because that's, that's what their, their offense, offense is predicated yeah. off of. Creed Humphrey, I think he allowed like two pressures all season. Like our, the our fact that line allowed less sacks and less pressures all year. Remember we had Jeff Allen on the show. This is the best offensive line they're going to face all year. The Eagles. Yeah, you remember? Remember we, we had Jeff Allen on the show, and I asked him, 
what is more difficult to do, run block or pass block? He's clearly pass block. Because when you're run block, you get to push forward, baby. You get to use that power. Yeah, you have to protect when you're pass block, and so that takes a lot more effort for Creed Humphrey to do what he did this year. To me, it's even more impressive than what Jason Kelsey did because two Creed's defense, I'm not saying you're saying he's got Joe Trey Smith left and right, but their tackles are so much better than what the Chiefs have had. Lane Jones, Lane Jones, those guys are better tackle. So Jason Kelsey's going to have that ability. And because of the fact, I don't think Jason Kelsey plays as long as he's played if he's playing a more run style offense. That's what sustained his health. He's an understated center and he's 35 years old. So that's what we, I, wanted, I wanted to give you guys a stat real quick to kind of emphasize because while you guys were talking about Jalen Hurts and how I've been sitting here talking about making a throw, it is so imperative for this to happen. So you guys remember going into the 2021 season before the Chiefs played the Ravens, that was the second game of the season. We talked about how Chiefs have been able to beat Lamar because why? They don't let him dominate with the ground game. They make him throw. I believe going into that season, Lamar Jackson, I think four of his like seven losses were against the Chiefs, right, in his career. Yeah. The biggest reason why is for Spags and even Bob Sutton, what they would do is they would say, okay, dude, you're not running today. Other teams, they'll, they'll, they'll be afraid that you can make a good downfield throw here or there. He was averaging 17 pass attempts but versus everybody else. Against the Chiefs, 37 pass attempts. And they weren't blowouts. Most of those games were close. There was one of you that was during the COVID time when the Chiefs blew about like 34 to 20. But other than that, they were anywhere at that game in 2018, man. That was a nail-biter. Yeah, Lamar threw the ball like 34 times in that game. It's the same thing in this one. And here's a stat that I want to tell you guys about Jalen Hurts and why the Chiefs have to do this. Playoffs included, since 2020, when he took over like that last fourth of the season as a starting quarterback, in games that Jalen Hurts had to throw the ball 36 or more times, the Eagles are 4-5. and five. He's not a quarterback that can throw the ball high volume and beat you. The Bucs game. Yep. Threw the ball 43 times, had one touchdown, two interceptions. The Bucs in that game, you know why they had to throw that much? Because the Bucs started the game 14-0, and then 17-0, and then 28-0, and the game was over. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to go out there and put up 28 straight points on the Eagles. That's probably not happening. But could the Chiefs go up 14-0? Yeah. yeah and if that happens, guess what goes out the window? The RPO plays. Guess who did it? Jacksonville. Exactly. They went up far. I know they Jacksonville lost, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, That's because of their mistakes, though. Yeah. Yeah. The second quarter turnovers. Right. Yeah. And so. But I'm saying they went up 14-0. Right. When, you, when you're when you trading blows with the Eagles, they're not a team that matches you. Because like you just said, Eddie, the Eagles put 34 points against the Cowboys without Jalen Hurts. It didn't matter. Because when you play a capable quarterback, who, by the way, Dak Prescott in that game had like 390 total yards and three touchdowns. He torched them. And he had just got back. You, that secondary can be had, man. I'm telling you. Telling you. And they spent all that money on that secondary. Yeah. And it's still not even better what the Chiefs have right now moving into the postseason. Not name-wise, oh, my God. They're, they're, they're paper, dude. They have an all-star cast. But that isn't what matters in games like this. Because why is the last – was it the last eight or nine AFC championship games been won by either Patrick Holmes, Tom Brady, or Joe Burrow? Why? Because we know that it comes down to quarterback play. You can have four teams. We've seen – look at the Niners. Why didn't they advance? They didn't have a quarterback. They had a dip just to beat the team of the Eagles, if not more. And it didn't matter. Because when you can't move the ball, you can't move the ball. You have to have a team quarterback. I'm not saying Jalen sucks. He's, he's fucking awesome. 
was a legitimate MVP candidate for the majority of the season. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, when it comes to a matchup like this where you have to make one extra play, one play more here than there, you have, you have to extend the drive. We got more faith in him or Patrick Mahomes. That's what it's going to come down to. Because these teams are awash in certain areas. Like I said, interior presence, it's a wash. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the, and John Harrison just said that Prescott was sacked six times to still put and still put up those numbers. You really think Patrick gets sacked six times in this game? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of those sacks. Honestly, it's probably garbage. That's borderline. That's borderline sexual harassment. It's still got. He still got the job done. He's almost got a 400 yards. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I I'm trying to block Kelsey. Even if you double team him, even if you triple team him, Travis Kelsey just wiggles around and. Finds a way. Uh, they were talking about, like, uh, I think, like 41% of like Patch Mahomes' touchdowns came in like a five or less yards uh, pass in the end zone, which is crazy. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the Eagles' defense has to find a way uh, to to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes. The league uh, figured him out last year. Figured him out, and all he did was leave and, exactly. Yeah. And Patrick was just fucking still, MVP. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is the year, they, supposed to put yeah. Because last year they figured him out, so you figure this year it's like, well, we're just gonna keep what happened last year, you know. And Patrick was just gonna be on a decline from now because mm-hmm. you know that's what a lot of people predicted. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you lose a, a, a superstar wide receiver, MVP, uh, Super Bowl, I mean, what else? Over broke the record for a total. Like you can disrespect broke, we gotta deal yeah, with this thing. yeah, broke broke the record for total yards. I I, I mean, it, whatever you throw at this guy, he will overcome. It, it, it's just crazy to see how much Patrick Mahomes sure, like sheer will. It, it, it's like it's some kind of superhero shit. Like you don't see this often. When he has to put the two on his back, he does it with no problem. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just crazy to see some some talent like that. Like that that talent doesn't come around often. It's just gonna be a tough matchup for the Eagles. Uh, I mean, I'm not predicting we're gonna blow them out, but I do predict we're gonna be able to put some points on this Eagles defense uh, that a lot of people are not giving us credit for. Uh, no injuries uh, going into this game. Uh, it, I just don't see how. Patrick Mahomes doesn't put up better numbers than he did against the Bengals. Yeah, he had no receivers against the Bengals and still found a way to win. Right. We went, we went against better receivers. Than and and, and now you're not dealing with the climate either. You're not yeah. dealing with five degree weather. You're in warm dome like yeah. conditions, man. And, and the Bengals defense has our number. They they had, like you said, they drop eight. And Eddie, you said something the other day that made I 100 percent agreed with. I said you said that. I think the Bengals, when it comes to matchup, is the far better team than the Eagles. Yes. When it comes to the matchup for the Chiefs. Yes. Like that game, this win was a much more bigger of accomplishment beating the Bengals than it would be beating the Eagles. Who I think are a better team than the Eagles. That's I, what I'm saying. Like it I think the Bengals, matchup. Yeah. I think the Eagles have a better overall team. Yeah. But the but the Joe Burrow factor, the Zach Taylor factor, I think, I think the they have the Chiefs number factor, like all of these factoring in. I agree. Like it's a bigger accomplishment to beat that team. Say this. If the Bengals beat us and they went to the Super Bowl face the Eagles, I'm picking the Bengals because I, I think they're the better team. 
That's, that's what I'm saying. Oh, if their offensive line was healthier, could you imagine that that front seven yeah. of the Eagles yeah. against Joe Burrow? Yeah. I mean, look, why did the Rams win the Super Bowl against the, the Bengals? Because they undiagnosed. But I do Joe think Burrow. it would have been a low scoring. Yeah. Yeah. I know, but I, mean, I think it was just a, a, a low scoring game if the Bengals had a bad. But I do think that with Trevor, I think the yeah. Bengals could have won that game. I uh, <laughs> because the Bengals defense is not no fucking. Well, that's Jamar a great defense. Secondary. I'm just yeah. saying. I know. I'm not trying to shit on the Eagles secondary, dude, but I definitely. Outside of Darius Slay, that defense can that secondary can be had, man. And they, and they have. I mean, yeah. you know, the Dak Prescott lit them up. Aaron Rodgers lit them up like that. I'm just saying, bro. Like, well, and here's here's a an interesting angle to look at this matchup as well. Is it something we don't we haven't been talked about at all yet? Because the Eagles defense, you can also win on them. They were 16th in the league in rush defense this year. That means they're average, good, but also not great. They want the Niners. You can run on that. You can run on that. Yeah. And the cool, the most interesting thing about that is they're a team that likes to front run, right? So how are they still 16th in rush defense when they're a team that got out ahead of people? When you get out ahead of people, most teams don't run against you. So how did they give up their numbers like that? It's because in games that were tight, they were giving up rush yards. That's the point. You watch that Saints game. You watch the Cowboys game. Most teams were getting things on the ground. And they play, so like I said before, they play some. They play a lot of bend no break. They'll let you get with like to the thirty, and then they'll really tighten up. Which the Chiefs have done all plenty of times too. But, but the other problem though with the Eagles is their defense's strength is what getting to the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. So if you're if a team like the Chiefs, they can they can run the ball. I'm not saying they do it on a consistent basis, but just two weeks ago against the Jaguars, they had over 115 rushing yards. Yeah. Against a good rush defense, I might add. Uh, I think they're like seventh in the league. You saw how much it opened up for Patrick Mahomes and Chad Haney. Chad Haney, we give him all the credit, but it was a 47 rushing yard rush, or rushing yard, uh, yeah, run that that Pacheco did that opened up that entire drive. So in a game like this, it's not. It would not be foreign to me, or would not be shocking to me, if Pacheco broke out a 38 yard rush. Or McKinnon on a dump off, and, the, and, the and crazy, it opens everything up for the, the crazy thing. You're getting Clyde backs. So you can, you can, you can put, you can put two backs next to Mahomes, and you can put two backs uh, with Mahomes and kind of, you know, block that pressure from, and have them, you know, fucking find Kelsey, find Juju, find Sky Moore, find uh, MVS. So. The Chiefs will be able to have – Patrick Mahomes is going to have a, a, a time to in the pocket, I think, this game. Because we've been, we've been fixated on all these weapons the Eagles have, which I get. Because, I mean, my God, A.J. Brown, Brown is a superstar yeah. wide receiver. Uh, Devontae Smith is a solid, it, it, solid he's receiver. Rising, yes, thousand-yard receiver. He's like the T. Higgins tier. He's a very, very. He good reminds me about Young Keenan Allen. Like yes, that, kind of that, that very good undersized. But yeah, yeah. Keenan's a little bigger. But yeah, I get what you're saying yeah, like, yeah. stylistically. Yep. And then you have Dallas Goddard. Uh, even Pascal's a solid core, uh, receiver. He's a solid receiver. So they have weapons. And not to mention Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, and Jalen Hurts' legs. But I think that people have been sleeping on what the Chiefs have. I mean. MVS is not a – I don't think he's by any means a, a humongous, prolific receiver. But games like last this last game against the Bengals are games that get guys like that to wake up and to become more of an integral part of the offense. We have not seen Juju have a big game in probably, I don't know, six, seven weeks. It's a concussion. Yeah, it's been around six, seven weeks. It would be due for him. How about Jared McKinnon, who's been silent for the last couple of games? He's due. You mentioned Clyde, who's been chomping at the bit for two months. To get back off that high ankle. Healthy scratch for the last couple weeks. Knowing knowing this is probably his last game as a chief, he's gonna go out there and try to showcase for his next suitor. I mean, there, there's like we talk about this all the time, guys, about how the Chiefs have these guys week one against the Cardinals. Everybody had all these questions about everybody but Travis Kelsey. 
and then everybody contributed. How many games have we seen this year where Patrick Mahomes will have nine to 12 guys get a catch? I, I wasn't 11 or 12 guys this year had a touchdown reception. So the love's going to be spread. Can the Eagles maintain that? Because that's the question. Jalen Hurts is not a guy in my eyes that's going to spread the ball around. It's either going to be RPO, A.J. Brown, RPO, Devontae Smith, Dallas Gardner might get sprinkled in every once in a while, or it's going to be a run play. But Patrick like, Holmes, there's everybody. Just like you Watson said, across. I, I, they have the tight end, but like you, uh, like you said, uh, Nick Wright's attention uh, was uh, 0% completion when it goes to the, to the right side. So you, you know that when the tight end's on the left side, more than likely, they're either going to go that way. Uh, quick uh, little slide. So it, it's. And think about how much they're putting into this film study, the game plan, because there's a real chance, guys, that the Chiefs have not only a new offensive coordinator, but a new defensive coordinator next season. There are rumors that Eric Bieniemy is going to take either the Ravens or the Commanders' OC job. I, and, I think that's. That, I think I think Eric Bieniemy is gone. Yeah, and then there's talks about Steve Spagnuolo might be retiring. That may not happen, but know. it also might. The point, the point of making, though, is Chris Jones might be gone. Clyde's going to be gone. Juan Thornhill's going to be gone. Yeah. Frank Clark might be gone. McCool Hardman might be gone. Like, There's a list of guys on this team, both coaching staff and players, that might be gone. And I, be, I believe Frank Clark is three sacks away to break the playoff record. Yeah. So if he knows that this might be his last chance to, to really go deep in the playoffs with a good team, he's going to go all out. Right. And we know these guys are hungry, and we know these guys have felt – how it feels to lose a Super Bowl. And I and, and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones have stated that that's not a fucking feeling I want to feel again. You know what I mean? But these guys are, are seeking revenge from what happened uh, against Tampa Bay. It, it, that was just a terrible game. They were blown out. They were, they were manhandled that game. So they got they have a bad sour taste from that game and i think that's going to lead into this super bowl and that's what has motivated this guys even more uh with spagnolo uh talking about how he reached out to college coaches to see how to stop the uh the uh, the rpos and and the the new style of offense cuz he said a few years ago i knew this was the trajectory of where the nfl was headed so a few years ago he talked to the coaches like in the likes like of uh, urban meyer uh, and, and a few other uh, college coaches to kind of get an idea of how to stop this. So, yeah, it, it, it's going to be good. Right. Well, I want to say, like, how, I don't know. I know we're about done getting out of this game, but, um, like, as far as mismatches on, for both teams. So, like, what do you guys see as, like, the mismatch for the Chiefs as far as, like, what they can attack as a, as a mismatch for the Eagles on the Eagles' defensive side and then on the opposite side of that? The, the the Eagles offense to attack the Chiefs uh, defensive side. Yeah. So I'll start with the Eagles and what they can do to attack the Chiefs on the defensive side. Because <clears throat> I think there is one real way that the Eagles can expose the Chiefs defense. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs have actually been really bad this year in yards after catch. If Jalen Hurts gets the ball out quick and they create good screens, good blocking protection from, from the, like an A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith up the middle or down the, down the sideline on the flat because we know the Chiefs love to leave the flat wide open. Mm -hmm. If Jalen Hurts is getting success there, they can move the ball with a lot of success, and that sets up the run game even more so because the RPG can be even more prevalent for them. So that's the way that's the way I can see Jalen Hurts and that offense really, really making difficult things difficult for the Chiefs on the defensive side. For the Chiefs on the defense on the offensive side against the Eagles, using their aggressiveness against them. 
So they're a defense that plays just like I talked about with the 49ers. They play a similar style of defense, pin their ears back, go after the quarterback. Your four, your five can go and get that quarterback. You don't have to blitz very often. They're not a very high blitz team. I think they were like 20th in the league in blitzes. So use that aggressiveness against them. And I love the fact that the Chiefs played the Bengals right before that because the Bengals play a defense that drops back. Mm-hmm. So now Patrick Holmes has a taste of what's it going to look like when you're only rushing four. Well, that's what the Bengals did. But this Eagles team could get to the quarterback with a lot of success. So guys like McKinnon and Pacheco and, uh, and Jody Fortson and Noah Gray and Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, Juju on the sword short pants, Travis Kelsey on the short slams, Noah Gray up the middle. Those three guys on little two, three-step dropbacks, Patrick was firing the ball over, or HB draws. You guys know I'm not a big fan of that. But against a defense like this, it's perfect because what it does is it sets them up. You make them feel like they're getting pressure and then big little HB draw right at the middle. Pacheco gets seven yards. McKinnon gets five yards, and you're just chunking them to death. Keeping that defense on the field. Because one thing we do know about this defense for the Eagles, they're not young. A lot of guys up front are old. Like Fletcher Cox is 33. Brandon Graves is 35. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, uh, Robert Quinn is like 34 himself. Like a lot of these guys are old. I still got some younger guys in Reddick and Sweat. That guys that are, sure, yeah. but I'm saying the, the majority For of their sure. depth is yeah. older guys on the front. So use speed guys. Yes, yeah. use that against them. Let them feel like they're getting pressure on Patrick, and he does a little dump off for 17 yards. Let them think they're getting pressure on Patrick in a shotgun formation, and then just have a little HP draw to Isaiah Pacheco yeah. or Clyde Edwards-Lair or even Jared McKinnon. Regardless, that's the way the Chiefs utilize this. Because I don't think the Chiefs – I mean, I do think the Chiefs are going to take shots downfield. I think that's going to happen. But it's going to be set-up shot plays. It's not going to be, hey, first play of the game, 50-yard ball. I don't think that's how they're going to do it. The Chiefs are going to come out and make it look very methodical, make it look like they're going to do it, but they're going to be very efficient with it. That's how they're going to beat the Eagles in this game. Yeah, I see I see a multiple mismatches here on both sides. Well, more for the Chiefs in my opinion, but I think Travis Kelsey is the ultimate mismatch here um, for the Eagles defense. I don't think they have a safety or a linebacker that can play one-on-one. So they're going to have to try to bracket him, which opens up obviously other opportunities uh, for other players. But I think Travis Kelsey is going to eat in this game. Um, I just think that's a massive mismatch. Like we've seen guys like Dalton Schultz absolutely shred that defense and have multiple touchdowns and you know seven plus catches, you know for eighty plus yards and you know have that day against them. And that's with Dak throwing the ball. That's with you know Dalton Schultz being the lesser of talent that he is. Travis Kelsey, granted he's a good tight end, but you know we've seen no name tight ends for the Titans have big games against yeah. the Eagles. You know, so um, I think the tight end position is played many good tight ends this year at all. So I think that's that's absolutely an opportunity to to create a massive mismatch for the Chiefs offense going into the against this defense. And I think that I think the quick strike ability of the offense of the Eagles against our defense has struggled against defending the flat and our press defense or lack thereof of a press defense not wanting to meet guys in the line of scrimmage and play a little soft, which is some bend don't break and I get it. When things get tight, I trust our defense to make stops against that e- the Eagles offense, especially against the run. But if a dump off to like a Kenny Gainwell you know, or a quick strike to, you know, Devonta Smith, guys like that, that, that can create a lot of yards after catch, like you said. That is, the, I think, the only real weakness that we have in our defense that could be exposed by them if they get the ball out quick and we don't get to uh, to, to Jalen quick enough or make him uncomfortable or force him out of the pocket, you know, and let him run into sacks and things like that. That's what we got to do. We got to get there quick on him because uh, they're going to try to get the ball out fast. Um, and I do think as far as like another, um, and I'll give credit to, the Eagles defensive line here. I think there is a mismatch with Wiley possibly, unless Wiley steps up because this is a, this is a payday game for Wiley. Yeah, Wiley is going to get paid if he balls out in this game and plays great. But if he's got a sweat or if he's got a gram on him coming at him with a one on one, 
That's that kind of scares me a little bit. It gives me a little bit of pause. That's you know? why I think the Chiefs are going to run twelve and thirteen personnel a lot in this game. Smith, I didn't help. Yes, blocks from the Yeah, yeah, and I think I agree with that. I think that's. I mean, we did that even a good amount against the Bengals. Yeah, um, and it worked. Obviously, Pat had great time in that pocket against the Bengals for the most part. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that is that's an area where I'm a little a little sketchy about with the matchup, whoever's matching up against uh, uh, um, Wiley there. <laughs> but at the same time, Wiley's been playing pretty good, man. I mean, he's, he's held his own for the most part. He's had some moments where he's absolutely gotten destroyed. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is not a defensive line that <laughs> you can allow that. So he's going to have to hold his own, and I'm really interested to see that matchup. But that is a mismatch, I do think, uh, whoever it is going against him. But I do expect that help. I do think we will have some two, three tight end sets uh, and, and possibly the best chip blocking running back in the league and Derek, Derek McKinnon. Um, so – yeah, those are those are kind of my mismatches ideas, and either team could expose. But I think Travis Kelsey and then obviously Wiley is a is a scary matchup there. But yeah. I'm gonna go with Travis Kelsey in that one. It's like I said earlier, it's very hard. You can double team him, triple team him. He'll still find a way yeah. uh, to get his yards, to get first downs. Uh, it's it's just very hard to 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 play Travis Kelsey. The, the even with the Raiders, uh, he had four touchdowns with 25 yards. Even, even, if you find, even if you find a way to kind of slow him down in receiving yards, he'll still find a way to kill you in the end zone. Yeah, it's just that's just who it is. Just that's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, they have the connection, uh, like no other. Uh, it's a great tight end QB connection, one of the greatest out there. Uh, so I, I think if the the uh, the Chiefs can, can expose the Eagles defense with Travis Kelsey. I think that that, that is a, a a valid uh a valid reason to to uh fuck. I lose my English. <laughs> but you know Say what it's I mean. Spanish, baby. Yeah, Say it's but you know but you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And then one way the Eagles can can expose this Chiefs defense. <coughs> I would say, like Glenn said, it, it's it's the yards of the catch, quick strikes. It, it's, yeah. it's the tackling for me. It, it's annoying to see how we miss the tackles, the open tackles. Uh, I don't know why it happens. I don't know why the why why the Chiefs sometimes forget to, to tackle or how to tackle. Uh, that is annoying. That that's one thing where the the the, the Eagles can expose this defense with a quick uh, with Devonte and AJ Brown's speed. Uh, Trying to trying to you know get more yards with uh, after the catch, it's just what it is. That that's our fucking uh, pain in our ass. Uh, we've dealt with it all season. Kulo, yeah, yeah. Kulo. Uh, we've dealt with it all season uh, because I don't think I don't think uh, uh, their run game will expose this defense because our defense is good against the run. They've been good. They've been good so far, especially down the stretch against the run. Uh, Fucking Russell Wilson don't matter. <laughs> it's a division rival, but um, but overall, this defense has been great against the run. Like uh, we didn't let Etienne do anything on the ground. We we pretty much shut that shit down for the Jaguars, which is a big part of their game. Uh, when you shut it down like that, they have to rely on Trevor Lawrence and hoping uh, there's no turnovers. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the Eagles can expose that, and, and like I said, Travis Kelsey, that's going to be a problem for, for this for this Eagles defense. No. All right, I want to get to uh, want to get to you guys' two key players. I'm going to start this one. I want to make this very clear because I'm going to make a prediction with both of these guys. So 
the offensive one has been very difficult for me because I think it's I think it's I think it's widely assumed that Travis Kelsey will probably have a very solid game, and I I am expecting him to. Wouldn't shock me at all if he has eight to ten catches for ninety five to one hundred and fifteen yards and a touchdown. I think that's probably very realistic. The Eagles to their credit last year when they played the Chiefs held him to three catches for twenty three yards, but Tyree Kill had an historic game at three touchdowns for one hundred eighty six yards. With him out, out of the picture, it's going to be more emphasis for Travis Kelsey, and I think Travis Kelsey will have a big game. But I'm looking for an X factor here, a guy that's going to give the Chiefs that extra oomph. Because, like I said, Travis Kelsey is an easy one. This is going to sound so insane, man. I think it's going to come down to backup running backs. Isaiah Pacheco will probably have a fine game. I think it's going to come down to the pairing of Jarek McKinnon and Clyde edwards Blair. Because something Andy Reid said this week, is something I believe. I believe he did. He said there's going to be a guy in this game that people are not talking about that's going to have a big game. Everybody knows that Jared, Isaiah Pacheco is starting to get all this running back one praise. That would be a victory. If he has a big game, oh, okay, that's not shocking. Travis Kelsey has a big game. MVS just had a big game. So if he has another one, that's not shocking. Juju is a big name. Kadarius Tony, everyone's expecting this guy to have breakout games. He gets injured all the time. So who's that leading? What, Noah Gray? Jody Fortson. Jody Fortson? Justin Watson? Like, sure, it could be one of them. But I think because the special, the atmosphere of this game, like Chad was alluding to earlier about this being Andy Reid versus the former team that fired him after 14 seasons, I think he's going to go back to that bag of tricks that made the Eagles so successful all those years. With Donovan McNabb would check that with Ryan Westbrook, Tim Staley, and let those running backs create their feet. I think it's going to be Jerry with Clyde edwards Laird, something that no one's expecting. No one's expecting Clyde to do shit this game, which is why he's going to score a touchdown in this game. I'm going to say Clyde scores a touchdown in this game. Anytime touchdown. I'm talking receiving touchdown, rushing touchdown. Clyde edwards Laird is going to score a touchdown in this game. Well, he was rolling before he got hurt. He had six touchdowns in seven games. He's doing really well in the receiving game. Yeah. Yep. My defensive player is somebody that does have expectations on them. Somebody that was picked in the first round this season. And it isn't who you think it's going to be. It's going to be Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie is going to have an interception in this game. Love it, man. We've been seeing Jalen Watson get the praise, as he should. Back-to-back postseason games as a six-round cornerback, rookie cornerback, getting back-to-back interceptions against Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. One guy was called the Prince of the Promise. The other guy has been, he's the best quarterback in football. And he picked both those sons off in back-to-back postseason games. Everybody knows that Jalen Watson's going to come out here and want to play this big game. But it's the first-round pick that needs to rise to the occasion. And I think that Jalen Watson is going to get hit in the backfield, and the ball's going to go up, and Trippie Duffy's going to go up and grab that ball. Just what is it? Jalen, you said Jalen Watson, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Watson, yeah, Jalen Hurts is going to get hit in the backfield. Ball's going to go up, and Trippie Duffy's going to go up and stack that bitch. And that's going to be one of those icy on the cake kind of plays. Because we're going to see the Eagles in this game during the game, ramp it up, start chucking the ball down the field. And because of Jalen Watson, Jalen Hurts' inefficiencies, and because the Chiefs are, will, will get pressure on him, I'm going to see Trimming Duffy make a big play and get the, get the turnover. Might be the only turnover in the game, I might add, and it's going to be a deciding factor in this game. going to put icing on the cake. Jerry slash Clyde Edwards-Lair and Trimming Duffy. Trevor, who are yours? I'm just going to go right off with what you just said. Trimming Duffy was my defensive guy. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm with you on that and lock and step. Um, so I, I do like Trevor Duffy to kind of be his coming out party. I mean, he's been good. He's been – he doesn't – no one's throwing his way that right. 
because he's been his hit fluidity and his ability to stay with guys, even guys like Jamar Chase, who he played well against in the, in the Bengals. I saw some 50 50 balls. Jamar didn't do anything when I seen it. Yeah, so he's been good. He just had it, the number, the box score doesn't show it really, but he's he's not allowed much. Um, so I do like Trimming Duffy. That's my guy as well. Um, um, you know, I, I I said last week or last game against the Bengals, I said George Kalakis was my guy. He came up with a big time sack. That was a great moment for him. And I'm glad I, I, I saw that. And uh, so I'm glad he had that moment. Could have another one this week as well. But I do like I do like this is the moments for these rookies to kind of like really come into their own. And then the Super Bowl is no bigger. There's no not a bigger moment for McDuffie to make a big play to really get the juices going for his future and his career here as a Chief um, moving forward. So I do love that. That's my call as well. I, I like Trent McDuffie in this game, um, especially if Jalen's being forced to throw. I think he's going to throw some, some some risky balls, and I think there's a great chance for him to go get one. Um, so yeah, I love that pick. That's my guy as well. Offensively. I'm I'm going back to well. This is my guy last week, and he got hurt. Kadarius Tony is going to be a future stud for this offense. Um, and I truly, truly believe that. I really do. As long as he stays healthy, and I know that's a question mark right now, but he's such a young guy. A lot of things he can fix, and you know, uh, 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 and work into his maybe his offseason workouts and things like that to kind of strengthen his body to to withstand more uh, uh, things. And a lot of them again have kind of fluky things. That little ankle roll last yeah. week. I don't think it was as a big a deal as it was. He's practicing full almost all week. Um, I think he was a live participant to start the week, but he's been in full pretty much all week for the most part. The only guy that was limited, I believe, was Jarius Need. So um, I love I love this matchup for Kadarius Tony. I think this is an absolute blow-up spot for him. Um, like I said, that secondary can be had. Um, they play a, a, a good scheme, but as far as like one ones individual matchups with him, because they're going to be focusing a lot on Travis Kelsey, and I still think Travis Kelsey's going to eat. I don't want to throw Travis Kelsey out there because I just told you that was my mismatch. But they're gonna they're gonna try to bracket him, right? You know what I mean? I know that's, that's gonna draw a lot of safety play and things like that. So I think that's gonna draw some safety ends to allow Kadarius Tony not only to eat after the catch, but maybe have some deep shots here, because he, dude, he can do that as well. He can go up and get those 50 50 balls. We see him adjust his fucking gloves and go up and get 50 50 balls. This guy's a stud. This guy's a playmaker. And Patrick Mahomes, I think, is building trust for him. And I think there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a game plan ready for Kadarius Tony to go out there and eat against that secondary, uh, whether it's after the catch, whether it's. <laughs> Balls are getting creative in the red zone. Yeah, we already seen Andy Reid drop numerous plays for him in the red zone. You know, and with Nicole being out, he, a lot is on this, this kid's shoulders, and I think he's going to be up for the for the job here. Uh, so I love Kadarius Tony in this matchup. So Kadarius Tony and Trent McDuffie. Like it. Defensive wise, I'm going Frank Clark on this one. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. He's chasing that record. I know that. He's he smelled blood in the water and that ring. He wants another one since oh, a divisional yeah. round. Yeah, because this could be his uh, last Super Bowl appearance. As depending. you guys talked about, he wants another ring. Gets he wants, close to that record. All of a sudden, the Hall of Fame isn't as insane as it's Another contract. Another contract. Right. right. And yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going Frank Clark. Uh, like I said, he's, I think, three sacks away from breaking that record, uh, that playoff record. It's insane. Uh, I think he's very well aware of that. And I think he knows that he can achieve that in, in just one game. And I think this could be that game. Uh, the stage, everything to to where you break the record in the Super Bowl, like Lance just said, I think that I think that's what will probably push into the Hall of Fame because it's uh, look at the it, rest of the guys on that list, Hall of Famers, the big yeah, the big you know, time like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're stepping up in big time. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go Frank Clark. I think he's gonna get uh, multiple sacks in this game. There we go. Uh, uh, Got so one statement that would be. He's he's. He's smelling blood in the water, and I think he's going to continue to smell blood in that water in that Super Bowl. Uh, 
offensive player, I'm gonna go Travis Kelsey. That was that, that was my mismatch. It's just I think Travis Kelsey, regardless, uh, double team, triple team, quadruple team, whatever you want to fucking call it. This is I, the biggest moment of his career, bro. Like, yeah, I think. Like, yeah, this, it, this is. I think this is. Yeah, this is, and we don't know how many more years of uh, Travis Kelsey we're gonna get. It's true. So maximize everything. I think he he's very well 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 aware of that. Uh, he is aging. Uh, he's not getting any younger. Obviously, his ability is going to start uh, dwindling down as, the, as his age continues to uh, get older. Talk about history. He's inching close to everything Jerry Rice postseason-wise. Yep. Only Jerry Rice has more receptions, yards, and touchdowns than him in postseason history. Yep. So, so yeah, and, and I'm sure they're very well aware of the record that could be broken. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to pick Travis Kelsey. I think, I think he's going to put up a couple of touchdowns. And, and maybe get to 100 yards or 100 yards receiving. I think like, there's a good chance Travis Kelsey scores twice in this game. I do agree with yeah. that. I actually put a bet on that. Base. So I'm going to go right back to you, Betty. Score prediction. 35-31 Chiefs. Mm. I like 30-24. I think the Chiefs win by seven. So for uh, Chiefs concerns, there have been in our, in our comments here asking, you know, about earlier on, about, you know, the point spread. I, I like the Chiefs uh, minus six and a half. So go with that one. There's a there's a, a certain po- poetic vibe to this game for a lot of reasons. We've already addressed the, Kel- the Kelsey Bowl, Andrew Reid going against the Eagles, Patrick Mahomes winning MVP by losing Tyree Kill and having all these rookies to rely on. But there's also the fact that this is where it all started for this team this year. This this, this spot, this doubt that came with that spot of you know what are the Chiefs going to be. You know, we have no idea what this offense is going to look like. Every single week, we heard all these shows talk about they'll never be the same without Tyree Kill. And they go into they go into Arizona against a team that's supposed to be in the playoffs and drop forty four points. Yeah, we're not the same. We're better. That's exactly it. That is exactly why I'm picking the Chiefs to score over forty points in this game. Because this Eagles team has been continually praised as a world beater. And I want to give them all the respect. I had a monologue that was like 30 fucking minutes, and I appreciate German Eddie. Let me spiel. This is not a world beating defense because Patrick Mahomes is the world's best quarterback, and you have to go through him first in order to be a world beater. This is going to be very similar. And I get it. The Cardinals are nowhere near the team the Eagles are. But this Chiefs team went in there and made a statement in week one. They're going to go back in there and make a statement again in the final week of the season. I'm going to take it further because I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say that I agree with Trevor. I think Travis Kelsey gets multiple touchdowns in this game and separates himself from Gronk because right now they're tied with fit with 15 postseason touchdowns. I think he separates himself. I'm going to say he gets around nine t- nine catches for 114 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. Like touchdowns. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be that hyperbolic, but I, I'm 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 reaching that level right now because I feel this good. I'm more confident about this game yeah. Than I had the previous two Super Bowls before those games. I have more comments about this game than I was the Bengals. I, I feel so at ease about this one, and I'm going to raise the stakes. So I was looking up the numbers. The most touchdowns in a post or in a, in a Super Bowl ever was Steve Young against the Chargers in 1994. It was six. The most yards in a game, in a Super Bowl game, was Tom Brady against the Eagles. I think it was like 505. Patrick Mahomes is not going to reach either one of those numbers in this game. But there's never been a quarterback in the history of a Super Bowl to have at least 400 yards 
in five or more touchdowns until this Sunday. Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 400 plus yards and five touchdowns in this game against this Eagles team. And he's going to set a new narrative amongst all-time great quarterbacks. Because to Tom Brady's credit, because everybody loves talking about Super Bowl championships and how many he won, ironically, he lost that one. Mm. And Steve Young, that was the only Super Bowl he ever, he ever got to. And he had a great game, but it was against a very inferior opponent. That, that Chargers team was nowhere near that, that 49ers team, and Steve Young was amazing in that game. Patrick Mahomes is going to set himself apart in this one because the Chiefs are going to win this game by double digits. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is going to have one of the greatest games in Super Bowl history. In fact, I'll say it will end up being the most, most one of the greatest game we've ever seen a quarterback have in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. Chiefs are going to win this game 41 to 24. Well, I mean, I think I think the Chiefs, to, to piggyback off that, I think the Chiefs' trends are going against top tier defenses when having a healthy O line outside of obviously the Super Bowl against the Bucs, going against top tier defenses. We, we tend to score a lot of points. We tend to run it up on them. 40, 40 burgers have been the trend against those best defenses. You know what I mean? So the fact that we did it against the Niners this year, why why couldn't we do it against the Eagles? You know what I mean? At the biggest stage when Patrick Mahomes knows what needs to be done. I agree. I would, my, my my score prediction, I'm trying to keep it like a little humble and moderate. I think 30 points is humble. Totally get it. You know what I mean? So totally get it. Kind of, I, I just think we went by at least seven. So that's why I have that 30 to 24. Because I think both teams will put up some points. But I'm not going to even remotely – question whether the fact that whether the Chiefs are capable of putting the 40 plus on this team I think that's 100 in the in the in the outcome possibilities though I like it man I yep. love it when you I look at a defense when you look at a defense that has not been tested in about 15 16 weeks when it comes to facing just a top tier quarterback whatsoever when they face good ones they get shelled knowing what Patrick Holmes is yeah. knowing that he's had two weeks to rest that ankle knowing that he's been able to game plan because again we we don't even emphasize it here enough that Andy Reid, after 10 plus days of rest or 10 plus days, the game plan is 24 and six. After a bye week, it's even better. So, knowing how much this game matters to Andy Reid, knowing how much this team wants to win this game for Andy Reid, knowing how much how prepared this team's going to be, knowing the significant advantage that she's have at quarterback and head coach in itself is what's going to pay dividends for them. Did anybody in 2013 honestly believe? That the Seahawks would beat the Broncos 43 to 8. But what happened? You saw a narrative change. You saw a swing in what took place. And everybody talks about, well, that's because they have the number one defense. No, it's because that team, that game was the better team. And nobody picked, I had the Broncos winning that game by a, a substantial margin. Just like I had the Panthers beating the Broncos three years later because they had a broke down quarterback. Crazy shit like this stuff, this happens all the time. The Chiefs are not the favorites in this game. They're not the better overall team, but they have it where it counts. They have it where it matters most. Sometimes it's simple, man. Sometimes it's simple. Quarterback Sometimes it's better simple. quarterback, better coach. The matchup is simple. And in the, the matchup is it ain't like there's a massive mismatch on either side, but you got equal rosters, and you but you got one team has the far better coach and far better quarterback, and I'm going with that team. She's got she's, she's got the monkey off their back by beating the Bengals. After that, once they beat the Bengals, I do who no matter who they face in the NFC, because also the fact we haven't addressed it in the show. The Chiefs, I think, won four straight games against NFC opponents. Like 14 or 15 straight. They own the NFC. Since the last two yes, even the Buccaneers, they've not lost the game to the Buccaneers to the, to the NFC. Because if we're being honest, the NFC is the AFC. Far more talent overall. There's a serious argument that Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in that conference. Dak Prescott. Come on. I mean, think about it. 
outside of outside of Jalen Hurts, outside of maybe Aaron Rodgers. I'm saying, like, look at the when you rank all the quarterbacks across the league, the first six, seven are coming out of the AFC. The first six or seven. Think about it. Patrick Holmes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Chester Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know I'm forgetting people, so don't judge me, people. Uh, uh, I wouldn't put two of there. And Derek Carr. Derek Carr's from the AFC, so yeah, I put Derek Carr up there. Outside of that, it's like, then it's like Dak Prescott. Then it's Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Then you're starting to talk about yeah, these other guys. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what and the I, NFC starts coming in. Jalen Hurts praise this year but he's taking advantage of a great situation and kudos to him but i mean he statistically i mean granted his running ability is incredible but he's overachieving a little bit this year he's got a little bit of honestly a little bit of unfair expectations on his side like i think the expectations for Jalen hurts at this point have been a little unfair to him as far as what he's actually accomplished in his career and we don't know how healthy he is yeah that's the whole thing right here it's yeah. a throwing shoulder i don't even know if he's said two but two is also in the that's age. what i'm saying like, i don't know if i wanted to put two in there yeah, Jalen is better than it. Who was the better quarterback i would play. say Jalen's better than two I would, I would, say, no. I would say that. And what injury took out Cam Newton? The shoulder, exactly. Throwing shoulder yes. injury, yeah, right. For first quarterbacks, I mean, and yeah. I love, and I, like I said, just like the Alex Smith comparison, which is fair. I, I mean, I know Jalen's in a much better situation. This roster is absolutely loaded, and it's in a weak division, the NFC. But uh, Jalen's a great guy, man. Like you can't yeah. not not love the guy. Like his story and the way he's the humility and his stoic. Uh, yeah. Persona is, is great. I, I love and respect it. Not you know, I want to have a good game, but I hope we can throw you guys. Here. <laughs> I mean, so. All right, that is our predictions for Super Bowl Fifty Seven. They're done. Let us know what you guys think because we've said all we need to say about this matchup. I think we I think we pretty much nailed every single thing we needed to check. Which it. all. It's your. You let us know what you guys think. What is your predictions? What are your thoughts? How do you see this matchup going? What are key matchups for you? And I see this thing shaking down. Let us know on YouTube. Subscribe with notifications and chat with us. Let's get to the Eddie Hour. I think Eddie's got a few questions, at least, when it comes to the world of sports across the landscape. Never know what Eddie's going to bring up. Never tell him what to bring up. It's always his. It's his time. Eddie, what's going on in the Eddie Hour? Yeah, all I know is your comments are going <laughs> crazy today. Uh, it's good. They're today. It's good. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, our uh, good old friend, uh, Dougie. He says, uh, if you win the coin toss, are you taking the ball to set the tone or if the defense uh, is ready? I, I see, this is this is a good question because I think it really just comes down to how you see the matchup going early in the game. Because to the, to the Eagles' credit, they're a team that likes to answer first. But let's say your defense goes out there and gets a three and out, then it's an advantage because now you have really two first possessions. Because then you get a possession early in the game and then you get the possession after kickoff in the second half. So I, I like – the way Andy does that, because if the Chiefs had the interior quarterback, I would like for us to get the ball first so we can see what our offense can do and see if we get an early score. That they have to kind of play catch up with us. But because I know we have Patrick Mahomes, who's the greatest comeback quarterback of all time, the most clutch quarterback we've never seen, that's statistically proven, I'm okay with us coming first. So to answer the question, if we win the toss, I'm okay with us deferring. Yeah, I, I think that's Andy Reid, what he does most of the time. Anytime we win the toss, we most likely are deferring, uh, which I am for because – like you said, even if even if the Eagles, which is the, I will say, statistically they were the best first quarter offense in the league this year. They scored almost every single points, almost every single time on their first opening drives. They're incredible at that. Granted, they didn't play very many good defenses. I'll say that as well. But at the same time, even if they go score, you know, a field goal or a touchdown on their opening drive, cool. And we go do the same thing on our next possession. Game starts over, right? 
if we gain momentum, we get a stop on that next position of theirs, and we score another. You know what I mean? So like, if, if it comes down to points chasing, I'm taking the Chiefs every single time. And if we get the ball in the second half and we gain momentum, which we do a lot of times, gain momentum going into the half, and then we get the ball with that momentum to start the second half. That's what matters. Yep. The third quarter is the most pivotal quarter of any of the, of the sport. It's how the second half starts, if the game is tight, and you and you have the momentum, that's huge. That's huge going into football game. So. Um, Especially even in sports in general, even just like in basketball, you know, third quarter is so such a pivotal, pivotal point of the game. So, um, I, I, I actually, I would defer. I would like to test the Eagles and see if they can go. And I, I get it. Respect to them, but they, they very, they have as, as far. If I'm a betting person, I bet they would go get at least three on their opening drive because they've been that good all year at doing that. So, um, yeah, I would defer if I won the point toss just because I like Patrick Mahomes opening the second half with the ball. I would prefer that. Let's talk NBA. Holy fuck, was it an a interesting Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, I want your reactions to, 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 the, to the trades, but I want to focus on three teams. Lakers, Mavericks, and the Suns. We'll start, we'll start with the Lakers and then move our way, move our way down. Thoughts on the, the whole Lakers trade down the yeah. deadline? Um, sim- simple and plain, the Lakers got significantly better. How significantly better? We'll find out. But the one thing that was missing from this Lakers team was what? Shooting. They had none of it. One-on-one scores. Now they have three guys that can shoot. In particular, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley both shoot over 38% for three. So these are the kind of guys that, that LeBron James has all succeeded with. And if Anthony Davis stays healthy at all, this becomes a team that's going to get one of the top five seeds in the Western Conference. Well, D'Angelo has is a, is a, a part, been a part of the, yeah. the Lakers nation before. Right? And he's so matured. He's 26 years old now. This is an opportunity for him to really get that second chance of becoming a Laker that he always envisioned it being. So this is a great opportunity for the Lakers. I don't think they're a title contender still, but the Western Conference is still wide open. A couple of lucky breaks here and there where, like, I hate to say this, but let's just, let's just discuss it. If a Jokic was to go down with an injury, if Curry doesn't get back and he's never the same this year. Katie's not healthy again. All of a sudden, it's like one or two teams that could really be in the way of the Lakers. And if I am a betting man, and there's only the Suns against LeBron James and Anthony Davis and those shooters. I would have to think twice about who I'm picking. I mean, Suns would still probably be the better team, but knowing what LeBron can do in the postseason, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. So, so there's opportunity for the Lakers as it currently stands, though. They're they're on five, six feet in the West right now, and I think they got better. That's all that really matters right now. Give them a chance to, to contend. Yeah, the West is open right now, and and the trades that. The Lakers absolutely got better, but a lot of the teams got better, better, in my opinion. Um, so it is tough to call them a contender at the moment because the West is wide open, but it is very competitive. Yeah. Man. There's a lot of talent in the West. It's very top heavy. Yeah. So, and the Kings, man, the Kings are climbing those charts. The Kings are coming for that second spot right now. The Kings are th- three or four games or three games back from the, the Grizzlies for the second seed in the, in the West, which is incredible. I love my Kings. I still got to see the Kings do something the playoffs probably buy into it. Sure. Like, I'm so happy with what they're doing. They're this only year, the best offense in the league. You know, I it. get it. Yeah. I get um, it. But I yeah, I mean, um, they scored 130 again. Uh, the other night, so I mean that's 13 times they scored 130 plus this year. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and they also, and I don't know if you saw, um, De'Aaron Fox actually made it to the All Star game. He's actually reserved. So Good. both Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are All Stars. Beyond deserving. Yeah. Beyond deserving. Much, much kudos to them. I love those guys. The first to do it in the Kings since 2004 when Ezra Stoyakovic and Brad Miller made it, um, which is a cool thing to see, man. Um, but yeah, the Lakers, man, they definitely. I love the D'Lo trade. I'm a D'Lo fan as far as talent. I think the guy's got a lot of talent. He's got a bag that he's got a handle. He's got a jump. He's got ability to get it to the rack and finish. Very solid pickup for them. The guy that's known been a part of this franchise, this organization before, had some hiccups with the organization, had some personal issues and immaturity issues. 
Uh, uh, but there's a lot of injury issues with that time he was here. Nick Young is a Plus, guy. him and Kobe did fine. Yeah, yeah, did I fine. Mean, yeah, and, and Kobe was you know t- training towards it out in a lot of those in a lot of ways too. So there was a lot of you know, animosity built there uh, with the immaturity. So um, yeah, I, I love the moves of Lakers. I think Malik Beasley uh, is a good addition. A good guy to come up. It can even start or come up the bench in rotation. Um, the D-Lo trade for sure was a big move, uh, a big acquisition as far as offensive uh, guys. They do need to work on their defense. Their defense has been pretty bad. I think a lot of that does hinge with uh, 80s health, uh, being that guy that they need defensively to be that kind of do-it-all defensive player. So once they kind of get it all going and everyone's kind of getting their chemistry down, I think they could be they can make a nice run towards the end of the year. But they don't have a lot of time left. they got to get it together. Um, but I do like them for sure. I think the, the Lakers definitely got better. All right, now we move on to the Dallas Mavericks. Shit. 2 0 since they trade. I mean, I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. Um, This is one of those things where you want to buy into it because of the the talent and potential of a player like Kyrie Irving. But, guys, it's been proven now for how many years the only person, the only place, that Kyrie can win is wherever LeBron James is. It's a fact. It's not an opinion. This man has played with five, six other Hall of Fame players in their primes, and he's won jack shit. He's not a leader. He's a very odd dude, and he burns the bridge wherever he goes. That is exactly what's going to happen in Dallas. Luke and him together is going to be fun, and I like it. It's cool. The problem, though, is they're both extremely ISO players. They have the two highest ISO points per uh, points per ISO in the league, outside of like Dame Lillard. It's not going to work. It's going to be fun for the rest of the season, and they go in the playoffs. They're going to lose six games to somebody. Maybe in the second round, maybe. I haven't finals played. Oh, I don't first, buy it. Before Kyrie got, I'm there. putting it out there right now, Eddie. I do not. I love Luca. I love Kyrie's talent. Them together, I, I don't buy it. I don't think it's in this succeed. Yeah, we'll I, don't, I don't. Let me grab that opinion. It is a strange. We haven't seen them. <laughs> Luca's been out the last few games. Well, you know that Josiah only stepped into Dallas because he didn't want to sit in the Lakers. That's where Kyrie right. wanted to anything to do, and he let yes. KD pick where he wanted to go. Exactly. Fuck, fuck <laughs> yeah. Uh, granted. Granted, hey, that's a very good point. That's that's very good Kyrie kind of had it coming with the bad karma he created for himself. That's true. From being honest, that I mean, is he, true. He kind of burned a lot of bridges. So uh, it is what it is. I would have loved to see him in a Lakers uniform. That would have been a great addition. I really burned the Celtics that. Bridge, Cavs Bridge, Jeff Bridge. Well, he burned them all. And it yeah. also came out that Kyrie's preferred destination was the Lakers. So he definitely wanted to have that reunion, that reunion with LeBron, which would have been beautiful. I would have much taken that over D'Lo. But D'Lo is a, a decent player to add to it as well. So um, I actually I, I like the move, though, me personally. I think it's working. They've, they've, they just beat the Kings last night. You know, the Kings were at full strength, you know. Um, they beat us straight up without uh, Luca and Kyrie's been balling ever since in the last two weeks so or last two games, um, so it's working there. But it, I, I am interested to see the dynamic how it flows um, with with Luca. But Luca's never had an offensive player like Kyrie on his side, so this is a cool thing to see. Um, you know, with Christian Wood healthy now, Christian Wood played pretty well against us last night against the Kings last night. Um, so if they can build, they make that kind of their big three with Christian Wood, uh, Kyrie, and, and Luca. Um, with some good rotational defensive players and that and that that team and Jason Jason Pitt is the coach who I like a lot. I, I, I think they could make some, could make something out of that as well. But um, I like I, I like the addition of the offensive prowess that is Kyrie Irving, a guy that can go get you you know 30, 40 any given night. 
uh, and, and then Luca, you know, facilitating the game and kind of getting his triple double numbers and things like that. And, uh, you know, it is, it is, they are two ball dominant guys. And that tends to not work a lot of times. Um, it's not like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. You know, Devin Booker's not a ball, like a guy that needs the ball in his hand with the, with the handle and creating his own shots. He's a kind of a catch and shoot kind of guy and creating, you know, mid post, mid range jumpers and things like that. So I am interested to see how it works. I had the Mavs in the finals before the season started. That was my pick. Uh, um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this is kind of a wait to see approach for me, but I do. I mean, anytime you add Kyrie to offensive prowess to any team, it's going to obviously bump up the numbers there. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, talking about uh, the Mavericks, uh, the Dallas Mavericks have emerged as the front runners to sign Terrence Ross uh, once uh, the buyout is complete. Uh, solid pickup. So, so it's solid. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much, how much of a difference maker he'll be, but yeah, it's solid. It's the guy you know, your eight man, nine man. That's fine, whatever. Um, I know the next question is Phoenix, correct? Yes. Yeah. Blockbuster, man. Ceiling. This team wins the finals. Basement. They lose in the first round, and I think the first round thing is a very real thing. You know why? We have no idea if KD's going to be healthy for the yeah. rest of this year. Yep. And Chris Paul has officially hit the wall. He's still an effective player, but you can tell Chris Paul's old now. He he looks old. His numbers are all down across the board. Devin Booker is an elite scorer, but he's a terrible defender. And <coughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, Andre Ayton does not want to be there. He stayed there because they paid him an exuberant, exuberant insane amount of money. Well, he's, there. he's happy there now. He's got that bag. He got the bag. He still doesn't want to be there. You can tell. This team is a big old bundle of dynamite, and it really depends on where you light it that makes it what it is. Because if you light it in your own place, fuck it, it just blows everybody up. You throw it out there, it's fun to watch, and it can be cool. I I, I think that this team has real a real, real chance of winning the title, but I think they really – I think they're going to be that team that disappoints. The cool thing for the Suns, though, is they have KD for another three years. And there are rumors that Kyrie would want to join KD in Phoenix if it ends up happening, if he doesn't end up going to the Lakers next on next yeah. season. So there's there's moving parts, and, and I guess only half of CP3's um, contract next year is fully guaranteed. So like 15 of the 30s guaranteed. They can pay that I'm out and they can chip him off. Or he can retire, whatever the case is. So I think it's somewhere in between. I I, I think they're going to disappoint. I think they're going to probably lose to the semifinals to some team that they probably shouldn't lose to. But because of the fact that they're old and they're injured, I think they're going to fall short. Yeah, um, this was the biggest trade of the of the, the, the trade deadline for sure. Um, KD was playing at an MVP level when he was healthy this year. And it was fun to watch. The guy was absolutely just shredding teams and just going off. Nobody could stop him. Um, the, the, the guy continues to have ankles and knees injuries and things like that that continue to, you know, hamper him. And um, that's the biggest question in this, in this trade. This trade is – they're the deadliest team in the West if, that, if, this, if this trio is healthy and at full strength going into the postseason. I don't think anybody wants to see them, right. East or West. This just – Devin Booker is one of the best scorers in the league, one of the best mid-range shooters and, and an absolutely deadly three-point shooter and a guy that, just, that can just score with the best of them. Uh, we've seen it numerous times. Um, he, he he plays well in the postseason too. He's not a guy that disappears in the postseason. He plays well, and then Katie obviously is a top ten all time player, most likely at the end of his career. You know what I mean? So, um, and then Chris Paul, all, all he really needs to do at this point is facilitate and go get you know ten, twelve points. 
That's really all Chris Paul needs to do at this point. He doesn't need it. He's definitely hit the wall. He's not the player he used to be. And he's done nothing but fail <coughs> in the postseason. When it's come to big, you know, having big three and you know, all those, he's had so many opportunities to succeed in the postseason. He's never really been the guy that really is is the guy to, you know, succeed in those moments. But this is a deadly team, man. Uh, 100%. Um, I don't have faith in the Nuggets. They're a fun team. I love Jokic. He's probably going to get another MVP this year, three straight, which is insane. I think Larry Bird's the last guy to do that, three straight. I think we discussed that before. Um, so for him to do that, which is looking likely, unless Luka just has an absolute stellar finish of the season, so now, or Giannis, obviously, I think they're the only two guys in my mind. Maybe Jason Tatum has a chance. Um, if they get the one seat and they absolutely, he absolutely goes off, there's a chance there. But uh, Jokic is. Failures in the postseason and the Nuggets' failures in the postseason just doesn't. I don't take them seriously as much as I want to. I just can't. Um, so I think the Phoenix Suns have a great opportunity here to to make a run. And I don't take the Grizzlies seriously either. They're too immature in my mind. They don't have the internal fortitude. I think to succeed in the postseason. And they're the two seed right now. So, um, yeah, I think the Phoenix Suns are are the new team that you need to, be, need to have a reckoning with because I think that that's just far too much talent. And I, I will say though, they did they lost a lot of rotational pieces and a lot of depth. And when it comes to the postseason, if one of those three guys goes down and you don't have the depth to, to overcome that, to, you know, I mean, that's that's massive. Um, so depth is huge. And, and, and I think that's kind of what the Lakers have been doing lately. They've been doing a nice rotation of guys. Yeah, the Nets kind of got jipped on the trade. Yeah, they lost like, that trade. Mikhail Bridges, the centerpiece. Like, Mikhail yeah. Bridges is a good player. Solid guy. Like, come on. Good 3 and D guy. He's not like, going to be He's not going to be a, a franchise-building block. And it's not like they – but they didn't even get a lot of. Uh, I mean, they got some second rounders and like. They, got the, they essentially got the same trade that Rudy Gobert got with the T Wolves. Yeah. Like, really? You got the same thing for Kevin Durant? And they, it was crazy too because they 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 hurt themselves because of their own ego because they didn't want to trade Kyrie to the Lakers. The Lakers had a better package deal to give them with an expiring contract. They're going to give them multiple first round picks. Yes, for Kyrie and the the, the Mavs even do that. You know what I mean? Right. So they they literally hurt themselves just because of pride because they didn't want to ship Kyrie. You know. Which is he's going to the West either way. Yeah, you know you don't. Have to, it's crazy. So this is silly. The ownership over there is so bad, um, and it just it just goes to show why Kyrie and KD wanted out of there. You know what I mean? So I don't blame them for that either. Granted, they have their own personal issues more Kyrie than than KD. But yes, the Suns are forced to be reckoned with at this point. Depending on KD's health is where I'll really lean once I see them kind of together and KD's healthy. But that is not to be promised at this point in KD's career. He's an older guy now. These, these these injuries tend to uh, linger a little bit more. Um, he's not a big frame guy, where he's like a solid frame guy and like takes care of himself like a LeBron would or guys like that. So, you know, once these joints start to kind of start going on you, betraying, and you're a lanky guy like that, you gotta be careful, man. So, um, as of now, though, I do think that was the best trade. I think that was the best acquisition for a team that needed a guy like that, a second absolute sharp shooting scorer that can score fifty at any point of any game. Uh, that's huge for that Suns team, man. That takes a lot of pressure off Booker for sure uh, to not have to be that guy at night in, night out. When he's been, he's been that guy at night in, night out before. But now you have KD alongside you. That's uh, that's the best scoring prowess I think in the NBA at this point now. Those two guys together is scary. Chief concerns says uh, uh, not buying Phoenix with all the injury history with those guys and no depth for sure. That's a that's a legitimate. It's hard to disagree. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, and then Lamar, Lamar Wallace, uh, the perception of Kyrie is crazy. Talking heads like Stephen A. Smith have helped build this narrative of Kyrie being the bridge burner, bad teammate, and so on. Yet I haven't heard an actual teammate said the, the same about Kyrie like the media has been portraying him out to be. Hold on. Well, I mean, Hold did, on. did you watch him in Boston? Yeah, well, well I, I, Lamar, Lamar's my guy. I love him to death. Him and I have never really had this conversation before. Um, 
Stephen A. Smith is paid to react to things, which means that Stephen A. didn't make up anything. And unless you want to show me where Stephen A. made up anything, and I'm not trying to go on a defense here for Stephen A., but I know he's directly talking about guys like Stephen A. As I recall, there was a lot of problems and turmoil with the Cavaliers, and he demanded to get traded after he had already said, I'm staying here with LeBron. It was weeks later he said, I'm demanding a trade. They facilitated that trade. Went to Boston, said, I'll stay here if you guys will have me. Two weeks later, demands a trade. <coughs> he had the whole speech in the arena. <coughs> then goes back there and steps on the little logo and does that yeah. whole thing. It's just toxic. The, the biggest man. thing with me, and I'm not going to go on a tangent about his off-court uh, stuff because you can have your own opinion on those things. I'm going to probably disagree with you on them uh, because there were some very reckless, irresponsible things he did and then wanted to act like he's such a bold person but then never wants to actually answer the questions. Um, you can't tell me that a guy like this with the talent he has is getting moved as much as he has and he doesn't have a problem. Why has Russell Westbrook been on five teams in the last five, six years? Because he doesn't know how to play team basketball. Right. Is it because he's a bad guy? No. He's Russ, Russ is a great dude. Everybody, You always hear about people loving Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Everybody loves Russell Westbrook. But he doesn't know how to play team basketball. Doesn't set screens. Right. Doesn't move with the offense. Doesn't take smart shots. Doesn't... He plays his own style. That's all he cares about. Why is Kyrie Irving playing on his fourth team in the last five years? Is it because he doesn't know how to play team basketball? No. In fact, he plays very good team basketball. That man knows how to do that stuff. So what is it? Am I supposed to just sit here and believe that this guy is just innocently being victimized and portrayed in a negative light and just so happens to keep moving from team to team to team and can't win unless he plays with LeBron James? I'm just supposed to believe that's a coincidence. Come on, man. Like, I, I respect Lamar. I respect everybody that feels that way. But I see it completely different. There's always – math always adds up. There's always something. And, like, the whole adage where there's smoke, there's fire, that is what I believe is going on with the current situation with Kyrie Irving because of the fact that there's always smoke around this. Dude. And with Lamar's point saying, you know, questioning whether any any teammates have, have come out and said anything, it's not – It's that is not necessarily the point. Kyrie might have been a great teammate, might have been boys with everybody. He yeah. With. That's not the point, though. There could have been a lot, a lot of issues that he's caused within a franchise, within an organization issue. There's been organizational issues everywhere he's gone. You know what I mean? Whether it's ego, whether it's – But it's always everybody it's, else's fault. I'm that's sure, right. Yeah, I'm, sure there, I'm sure there's stories to both sides. I'm sure right. there's been people that have done him wrong, but he's obviously had a played a part in being, doing a, of some of the wrong. Right. He's got a massive ego, and we get it. But he's tend to – overstep his bounds and overstep certain you know lines cross lines that shouldn't be crossing and i get it i'm all for player empowerment and all that things like that but the guy just he puts his foot in his own mouth way too many times well, yeah he asks he screams for attention yes. gets it and then wants to play like oh man why is everybody asking me all these questions and then he apologizes and then the moment he leaves brooklyn he takes that apology down. right like come on it's, man yeah, it's, it's very, I, i'm a big Kyrie guy i love watching Kyrie play basketball yeah. but come on we're not gonna sit and pretend like this guy hasn't put this himself in this position Take some, account, some accountability that needs to be taken by Kyrie. <coughs> he may have been a great, great teammate, which is why probably a lot of none of nobody's really come out and said anything bad about him. He's probably a good guy to his teammates. Sure. He's a good team player. And he's an intellectual. Like he you For know sure. this guy can articulate a thought. He's sure. he's probably had great conversations with other grown men. But you don't become a you don't become he's an elite talent that's become a journeyman. And that's he's a, a problem. And he's a philanthropist. Right. This dude yes. starts businesses, right. donates money. He does a culture, lot of great yeah, things. Yeah, culture, yeah. For so sure. I'm not gonna sit here and say this dude's some demon. Yeah, yeah. But he's done some things you're like, dude, what the fuck, bro? Yeah. Like, really? And now 
you want to act like you're surprised by all the you're a superstar athlete. Yeah, that's you a, went to Duke. That's a dream. You were the first overall pick. Yeah. You have the greatest shot in NBA history. Yeah. Like you're gonna be noticed when you post stuff on your Instagram, people are gonna pay attention to these things. You can't expect the world to not pay attention. Like, what? what is this? Why did you put it out there unless you were hoping to be getting attention? Why would you say certain things unless you were expecting attention? This is a job. You're working for a company. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that you can be an individual all you yeah, want. But be a businessman or be a, be a solo act. It's a job, man. Yeah. yeah. You play a team sport. You you can't tie your wounds this thing. You can't Serena Williams this thing. <laughs> no. You play a team sport. you got to play according to the, to, to the, to the team sport. Yeah. I was talking about Russell Westbrook. Do you do you think he's going to play with the Utah Jazz, or you think they're going to reach some sort of buyout? Because there are two teams uh, that that would really want to uh, sign Russell Westbrook and the LA Clippers, as they made it very well known with Paul George, uh, pretty much coming out and saying that they, they would love uh, having uh, Russell Westbrook. Also, Billy Do- Billy Donovan down in uh, Chicago has also mentioned that he would love to add uh, Russell Westbrook to his team. Uh, do you do you th- do you see him going to one of those destinations in a possible buyout, or do you think he stays with the Jazz? There's a zero percent chance he plays with the Jazz. Biggest reason why he has terrible history with the Jazz. This man's gotten almost multiple fights with fans in Utah, and Utah is not exactly as we like to say uh, color friendly. Yeah, the irony there. There's a lot of problems in that in that city with with people of of different ethnicities than white. So I don't think Russell Westbrook wants to play there. Also, the fact it's more of an attractive thing for him than his current stature of his career in his 30s to go play for a team that's actually got a chance of winning anything. I'm not saying Chicago does, but I'm saying that he has a relationship with Billy Donovan. He knows Billy will let him play his game, and that's very important to him. L.A., him and Paul George play together in OKC. He stays in L.A. where he's wanted to be, where he's been for the last couple of years. There's What I'm basically saying is because of these offers being out there, it makes even more sense for him to leave Utah. But even if they weren't, I have a hard time believing he plays a single dribble for the Utah Jazz based upon what we know about that team, what we know about that city, and what we know about the guy that runs that team. And I'm not going to go any further. Yeah, um, I don't know where he's going to – he's probably going to play for three more teams this season. I don't know. <laughs> and it, it, look, I love Russ, man. I love I love competitors like that. I love guys that are just all passion, you know, all, all, all gas, no break. Like, I love guys like that. But it's fun for entertainment. It's fun to watch him, you know, do things. And when he was when he was the guy in OKC, that was so fun to watch. When he was like the lone guy left from the, from the yeah, he was it was fun to watch. But they never won shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the that's kind of the the story of Russell Westbrook, man. That's kind of what he's been, and, I, and he's going to have incredible stats by the end of his career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. Um, but if he goes to the Bulls, if he goes to you know the Clippers. I just don't see him helping and being like that guy that puts a team over the top. This is not who he's ever been. You know what I mean? He's actually better as a solo act, for being honest. Um, that's how he just works. Uh, um, so I, if he goes to the Bulls, I mean, it's not going to be a good I mean, it could be a, a, a good role in the Bulls because they don't really have a true point guard that, you know, they have two really good scorers in DeRozan and Levine, um, guys that aren't like true facilitating guards. So that might work. Being a guy that can maybe go in there and facilitate, get his triple doubles and the dish to those guys and create plays for them, that might work. The Clippers, I don't see that working. We've seen him with Paul George, and like we've seen guys, um, you know, play together that just didn't mesh that well. But Clippers um, got one of them because he plays every game. Well, sure, and we know Kawhi does. They, 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 they did just lose Reggie Jackson and John Wall. Yeah. So they might need a guy to facilitate. Might be the best available. That might be. You know what? True. That that might be a good move too as well. So those two teams, I think, are likely and could happen. 
because um, I don't I don't think he finishes the season with the Jazz. So if he does go to one of those two teams, I think those would be the only two teams I really think he can go and actually because those are two teams I think could compete. Obviously, the Bulls competing in the, in the East, making a possible run because they are a talented team with Vucevic and, and and DeRozan and Levine. That's a talented offense. I uh, don't believe in them really, but they could have a decent chance in the playoffs, maybe to get past the first round, blah, blah, blah. But I think the, the Clippers are super talented. You know, because Kawhi can stay healthy. You know, if it, I, I think it would be an upgrade. I know. That's a massive question. We can talk about KD being healthy in the, the Suns. Let's yeah. talk about the, the Clippers. I mean, yeah. who knows what their rotation is on a nightly basis? Um, but Paul George is actually incredible. Paul George is still one of the best players in the league. Um, healthy. A, a, guy, yeah, a guy that crumbles in the postseason as well. So, if they can go get another guy that that collapsed in the postseason like Russ, that'd be a great acquisition. You know what I mean? So, um, I think for him, I think success wise, I think I think the uh, the Bulls are probably the best spot because it is in the East, and the East is a little less talented, I believe, in the West, especially with KD and Kyrie moves. You know that opens up a lot in the East. So I think if you could put him over there, that Bulls team, that could be a missing link that they they, they, they might need. Don't so. let don't let our guy Marcus Dash from Chief Concerns hear this, but uh. It's a two-team race in the Eastern Conference. It's in Celtics and the Bucks. Yeah, I think I love, don't sleep on the Cavs, man. I love Joel Embiid. Don't sleep on the Cavs. The Sixers are fun. They do not have a shot at beating one of those teams <laughs> in the postseason. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah, we'll see. I don't believe in the Bucks, but yeah. <laughs> OKC okay, is such a young team. Uh, obviously, with SGA, uh, it's very fun to watch. Uh, just watch the Incredible. yeah, just watch the Thunder uh, beat the Lakers. On uh, LeBron James night, yeah. what what can the, the Oklahoma City Thunder do to pretty much keep SGA happy in OKC, and what can they do to help him uh, elevate this very young team? I think this team needs like an actual because um, something Colin Coward says that I actually really agree with is that football you look for culture, and basketball you look for elements. They need more elements to their game because right now they're so damn young like you said like they have so much youth but in order to win in the nba you have to have those veteran players that get you over the edge those others as shaq likes to call you know uh the all the lakers teams that won in the early 2000s they had the robert orris and Derek fishers to help them get it over the edge the celtics in the, in the mid 2000s and late to, uh, 2000 or mid 2010s they had james posey and rajon rondo and those others the, the Thunder don't have those guys. They just have a lot of good young talent. Mm -hmm. If you go and add a couple big pieces that are 28 to 32 years old that can knock down shots and defend on the perimeter, all of a sudden SGA's job not only gets easier, but then the world starts to pay attention to the Thunder again because they're going to win 56 to 60 games. SGA is becoming a superstar in this league. He is already one of the 15 best players in this game. And if you get him just a couple veterans, just a couple guys that you can rely on to play 70 to 75 games a year, this team becomes a title contender. And it's not crazy to say that. So that's what they need. They need direction of how to get those elements in place. Once they do that, this team takes that next massive stride. Not a step, a stride. Yeah, um, I think people are forgetting that they have Chet looming too. I think there Chet, you go. Boom. Got, yeah, I a versatile, like versatile big who I think is a looming star in this. Yeah. I think is a, I think that guy is. Potential for this league in today's league, he's perfect for this. Today's but even to that credit, he's twenty. Well, I mean, listen, 19, he has he has some Dirk and some KD in his game. Yeah, he's, he has a handle for a big guy. He's long and lanky, just like KD is. He's got a jumper. You can shoot from anywhere. He can post it up. He's extremely tall, obviously, and he's quick. That that, that guy, if he can stay healthy, because a lot of guys like that do tend to get banged up, and he's already dealing with that with that Liz Frank or whatever. So yeah, that that was the blockers guarding him too. Yeah, that was unfortunate. He shouldn't have been out there. He had no business being out there in my mind, but. He's going to be – I think he's going to be a budding star in this league 
pretty quickly. Better um, be. So much talent. Well, I'm just saying, you, you throw him in the mix, and they've got multiple first-round picks going up. They can either trade those for uh, you know some free agents in the league uh, uh, or just absolutely just load up. And the, the, the future for OKC is so bright, man. And I love, I love, I like Giddy. I like, I like a lot of the guys I have on the team already. You throw Chet in the mix in the next season, the season moving forward. Uh, and you, you know, you, you maybe trade up a couple of those first round picks to go get a guy next year. Yeah. Draft. So you can move up to get the number one pick, so number two pick, whatever you want. Uh, so they got so much. If he, if he had like, a, if he had a Chris Middleton, yeah, that that team could win the West. It, with, with let's say Chet becomes that star, Trevor's talking about. Like I'm saying like, if Chet becomes the guy that you're you're saying like a Kevin Durant, Dirk kind of person, right? Yeah. You add a Chris Middleton type of guy with SGA. Is that not a two seed, one seed in the West? I don't think Chris Middleton moves the needle for me that much. Oh, I don't. Because Man, you got to understand the way the Bucks are built. Chris Middleton's thrived off of how that Bucks team is built off the defense in the back of Giannis. Sure, but I'm saying that he you, benefits from Giannis more than Giannis benefits from him. I okay, but Chris Middleton's like that Scotty Pippen, and SGA is quickly becoming that star talent. You add Chris Middleton as that that sidekick piece, a guy that can pop from the outside and play good defense. Yeah. Or even you take it further, like a Clay Thompson type of guy. Oh, you had a Clay Thompson. Clay all of a sudden, you're talking about there. Bogdanovich, even low, a lower yeah. grade. A Bogdanovich. That team it's a top right three seed in the West. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no. And that I man, that's what I'm saying. Like this is, I don't think there's a better situation right now than the OKC, in the, where OKC is at. You, gotta, you have a young possible superstar in the next couple of years in SGA who could be a superstar. Yes. Um, one of the best scorers in the league. One of the best one-on-one players in the Gabe league. Gabe looks easy to have. Man. So yeah, he, he yeah he does. He plays. His, fluid, Fluid, his fluidity, slow, almost like slow, but like it looks like it's efficient. It's, 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 yeah. almost, it's almost D Wade prime. D yes, he's not, as, yes. he's not as explosive as D Wade was, like slashing and dunking on people. But the way he'll like, <laughs> back, back people down, fake to the left, and the poetry in motion, man. Like, Very fade, yeah. hit a bank shot, like he's incredible, man. His, his mid his mid post game is incredible for a guy, uh, for a guard like that. This is best. I like, like how he shoots the free throws, like he has attitude. His little hip pops out when he yeah. shoots his free throws. He's, he's, he's confident as he's hell, like, man. Uh-uh. And he, and, uh, he wasn't an all-star. This, he wasn't an all-star this year. I just throw that out there. He wasn't an all-star. I can't believe that, so, team, uh, man. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I love I love what OKC is doing. I think they're, they're, they're coaching and everything. Their organization is heading in the right direction. They absolutely are loaded up. They can do whatever they want with those picks. They can create a Golden State situation here. If they hit, if they hit the, if they strike gold and a few of their picks, Absolutely could happen. Um, that's how Golden State got to where they were. They yeah. struck gold. They had a lot of picks. Um, they nailed those picks. Obviously, the greatest team ever assembled. Let's not pretend the Thunder haven't been a franchise that haven't nailed picks in the past either. Yeah. Kevin Rent, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, Stephen yeah. Adams. Like, Granted, a lot of those SGA. names, a lot of those names and organizations are, are gone, but they, yeah. they, they've got a new youth movement that they're dealing with. And I have a hard time believing they'll make the same mistake again where if they get themselves a, a trio again of, of star yeah. players, they're not going to pay that third guy. Yeah. But if Chet, if, if Chet becomes order, it's not stingy. With you can't that. make that mistake again. Nah, man. They have way too many picks to be stingy, man. They're, they can either trade some of those, move up in the draft, trade some of them for free agents, or just use them in general. Yeah. And if Chet becomes a guy who I think he will be, who he was in college, my God, that that's going to be a nice little duo tandem there. If they can find a third that that make it a trio, man. That's and then just add depth and rotational guys that can you know shooters and three D guys. That's I mean, that's that that, that <laughs> organization is in the right direction, man, for sure. I'm excited to see what they do. Lamar Wallace says, like, nice speech, Lance. SGA won't be in OKC too much longer. The Thunder are, like, are a talent pool for the other 29 teams in the NBA. He's he's not wrong. He's not wrong. What I'll so say – Who did no. they trade away? Well, James Harden. They did no, trade, trade Russell Westbrook too, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that, that was before this regime is here. This is a whole new regime. Yeah, well, uh, Sam Presti still runs the team, doesn't he? But the, that they, they traded away those guys because they bought into SGA. Right. This is They're, they're building something new here. They're, right. I mean, they traded with those guys because those guys failed. 
Yeah, and they went up against LeBron. It, that, that era was over. It's 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 this it's a, a new it's a valid thing to say though that the, the Thunder have been that. Like you remember how the rules were always talked about is the the minor league. Say Presti still runs. Okay, you remember how like you know what I'm saying like you build the talent and then other teams come swoop in and trade for them. That's why the Thunder have had so many picks. No, that they have so many picks because they traded away those big three guys. But that's why that's they, what he was literally saying. No, no, no. But they didn't get those three guys that same way. This is a different way of they're doing it. They're trying to build around someone now. They didn't get Kate. They, they hit gold on those picks because some of those guys. Yeah, James Harden fell further than he should have. Russell Westbrook obviously was a goldmine pick. He fell further than he should have. They, they nailed those picks, but they didn't have a plethora of picks that they do now. They have so many picks that are like yeah. in the room. They can move up and do things. That's why I built my case on the scenario of the building around SGA not yes. moving off. Yes. I'm, I'm only reacting to what Lamar's saying because right. it's fair because to this point, they have been that franchise that have been trading away superstar talents. You can't ignore you can't ignore that. They they traded away Serge Ibaka. They traded away Steven Adams. They traded away Russell Westbrook. They traded away uh James Harden. They let Kate they didn't give Katie what he wanted. I mean they but did they, but they but they weren't like they were a bad team. You know, they weren't like the Royals, no, not at all. Farm not at all. Those were that was a championship caliber team and they failed. They're like, you know what? We need to start fresh. We need to wipe the state clean. But that was the reason they traded Russell and James Harden away over four million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted, they, yeah, they didn't want to pay the tax money. It was like, yeah, and, and James Harden won a whole lot since then. Right? I'm just, he's I'm a Hall of Fame player. Just saying, no, for sure, for sure. But he, he won MVP like two years after. But he's one Jack shit. I'm saying they, that was a smart move for them. Okay, he's he's one of the greatest players who've ever who, played this who, game. Who won that? The, if they, I would say James Harden. Okay, he won, won MVP. Okay, what are the what have the Thunder done since? No, no, no. But I'm saying if they if they build around this after after moving off from those guys and they build around SGA, who is, is honestly better in my mind than, than James Harden is at this point. Uh, uh I think he is better than this at this point. What he does I think we forget how great James Harden was, bro. Like, I'm not saying he's that anymore. I'm, I'm, but... I'm talking about right now. <laughs> I would talk, oh yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah. Saying, so. I think it like it's like James Harden's like peak. I think this was the right. James Harden's peak was like 33, 12, and nine, dude. I think, like this was, I think it was the right move for them, bro. Okay, I really do. I think I think that what they're doing right now is the right direction, building around youth because that's we've saw we've seen what the Grizzlies have been doing. We've seen these younger teams, obviously Luca being the young star, building around them. I'm just saying, man. I think I think that's. So I hate you guys. Move. You guys do this to me. You make me defend guys. I'm not even a big fan of. Like I'm not even a big fan of James Harden. I'm over here, over here, I champion actually, for my I guy. I actually am. I actually am a fan of James he's Harden. He's so inefficient. He's not, he's not a winner. Turnover pro. He's not a winner, man. Yeah, he's jacks not. up threes left and right, yeah. but he the numbers and what he's done is going to sure. put him all. Oh, he's going to be Hall of Famer for sure, for sure. I'll save the obvious question for the end for NBA. I'm sure you guys know what the obvious question is. Uh, we'll wait for that. Uh, but I want to talk UFC. Obviously, big, big fight card tonight. Did I? Uh, we were all waiting for this uh, for a while. Uh, we I actually sent you guys the screenshot when it was made official. And you were like, fuck it. Because we all agreed what the next fight yeah. should be of Volkanovski. Uh, so, uh, I don't know what other fights you want to talk about. I know I want to talk about the co-main event and the main event. Let's just talk about the top two fights. Okay. Yeah. The top two fights. Yair. Uh, Yair. Pantera Rodriguez coming against Josh Emmett. Yeah, man. man. This is such a tough fight, too, man. Like, these... These, these two should, totally different fighters. Yeah. Like these fights... These two fights that, that are at the top of this card, let me pull their information up because I want to make sure that I say this correctly because I think these... I think it's criminal that they, they do this sometimes in the UFC where... 
they put two guys at the top, two fights at the top of the card that should be the main lines for, for two different cards. Like I think Yar Yar uh, Rodriguez is on like a seven game or seven fight winning streak, if I'm not mistaken. And then Emmett has only lost two fights in his twenty matches. And Emmett has this weird aggressiveness where he looks like he's going, he's flailing at you, but what he's really doing is setting you up for an even bigger shot. And the reason why I wish this was a main event for another card is these two guys have the recipe to make a fight as explosive as we've seen in some time. Emmett himself is a guy that could be considered a knockout artist, but Rodriguez has the defense and takedown ability that Emmett may not be prepared for. Which is why I'm taking Rodriguez, because I think he's going to be the guy that's going to make Emmett's um, wild nature make it look more like wild nature. It's not going to be as efficient against a guy like Rodriguez. I think Rod- Rodriguez is coming here with a hotter hand, even though Emmett's on a tear, and I'm going to pick Rodriguez to win this fight by a slight decision, a, like a split decision, something like that, where it's like, God, that was a great fight. I don't know who really won. Let's look at the card, control, takedowns, things like that's what's going to get Rodriguez this win. I'm going to go with Rodriguez. Yeah, I don't know if you remember Rodriguez's last fight. He won by Ortega getting hurt. Ryan yeah. Ortega, uh, who I think was going to win that fight. I thought he was a better fighter, obviously. I thought, I thought was, that was he was the favorite in that fight. Yeah, that's right. It was his last remember fight. Remember we watched that one where Ortega's shoulder got like forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a shorter, yeah. Um, he was banged up in that fight, but um, I actually like Emmett in this fight because I think Emmett's the better straight up fighter. Yeah, I'm um, a better takedown artist as well. Rodriguez is a little loose with his style sometimes. They're both orthodox fighters. But What's the over under of the uh, Emmett's definitely the underdog. Yeah. Um, I, I already put I already put some money on him though. I, I'm I'm betting Emmett to win this fight. I think he's a uh, plus one sixty or something like that. Or no, so it's more than that. I believe that's ESPN's line. I don't know what DraftKings or uh, FanDuel is, but he's definitely he's definitely Emmett's definitely the underdog. Um. But I know Emmett is eighteen and two in his career. A yep. guy that a guy that can pack a punch, uh, a guy that can take a punch, can take a beating, and keep going. He's a he's definitely a motor guy. I think he's the better fighter still until proven otherwise. I mean, Rodriguez obviously, with all due respect, is fifteen and three for sure. Um, but I I just like I know Emmett's a little smaller. I mean, there's a different height height and reach advantage. Um, Rodriguez is five eleven. Emmett's five six. Uh, Josh Emmett is plus one sixty. Oh, so it's almost a pick him. Yes, well, because I, I believe Emmett's the better fighter, and I think he's more proven in this league. I just like the matchup for Rodriguez. I, 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 yeah, Rodriguez didn't really prove much to me after lo- beating uh, Ortega by Ortega getting hurt. That was just a kind of a – I felt like I, I, I thought Ortega was a better fighter, and I think he, he would have won that fight if they, if, they went, if they actually were both healthy and didn't, yeah. neither one of them got hurt. So but what is Ortega great at? He can take you down. For sure, but he's also – you know he's good at everything, honestly. He's a yeah. very well-rounded fighter. Um. But Emmett is a guy that can knock you out, obviously, and can is a very good guy on the ground. Uh, and he's strong as shit uh, for his size. He's very strong, so he's very low sense of gravity. Like I said, he's only five six. You know, he's like, but he's a tank. Um, yeah. So I like I like him in this fight. I actually put money on him to win this fight. Uh, a part of a little parlay for tonight. So I like I like the the underdogs tonight. So I'm I'm definitely going Emmett here. Let's go main event. And we got real quick. Emmett is also seven years older too. Yeah. So yeah. age might play a factor. Maybe. Let's go main event on this one. This is, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't know who to pick in this one. Um, Islam, Islam um, Makachev uh, versus Alexander Volkanovsky. I think. Uh, let's see. Fanduel, Crazy how big of an underdog Volkanovsky. Yeah, Fanduel has Volkanovsky at plus three ten. Freaking okay. crazy! Give look, me that all day. Look! 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 We talked about this weeks ago about how I feel like this is the one fight that I feel like no matter who I pick, I'm going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Because Volkanovski is one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. He's like on a 20, runs, 20 fight win streak, something yeah. like that. Like the greatest ever. It's like yeah. the greatest streak ever. Yeah. Yeah. He's 25 and one. And he's moving up a weight, too. You got to remember that. That's that's huge. As the time has gone on, I'm st- I still don't feel good about it. Trust me, because I've never picked against Volkanovski. Mm-hmm. But there is a reason why he's a heavy underdog. Because like you said, Trevor, he's not only going up a weight class. Islam is quickly becoming maybe the best fighter in the UFC. What he just did to Oliveira, which no one has done in like 10 years against Oliveira. Granted, Oliveira was a fill-in fighter. He didn't prepare for him that well. Right. But Oliveira is the greatest finisher in UFC history. Yeah, he didn't didn't have a camp ready for him. And he whooped his ass. Yeah. So you're right. I will give you that. I will give you that. He dominated him. Islam is the bigger fighter. He's the younger fighter, which oddly enough, uh, Volkanovski, even though he's like three inches shorter um, and 10 pounds lighter, has a one-inch reach advantage. It's kind of weird how that works. It's a little long. His style, yeah, yeah, yeah. If this fight goes to the ground at all, Islam's going to win this fight. Yeah, don't do that. If Volkanovski and him toe-to-toe it, Volkanovski can pull this upset off. Well, he can definitely if – he, if he goes a distance, I'm taking Volk all day. He's that's gonna land, he's gonna land more that's why I have to I have to pick Islam to finish him. He's not going to want to let it go that long. Yeah. He's going to have to take him to the ground and submit Volkanovski. Use that body, use that weight, use that size advantage. And Volkanovski bumping up, his energy levels are going to be a little bit lower. So if you put him up against that fence, you put him on the mat for three minutes at a time, he won't be able to breathe correctly, wear him down where his arms aren't as fast, he gets sluggish. That's the recipe for Islam to win this fight, and I think that's exactly what he's going to do. Because if you watch Islam in his last fight, like I said, he took Oliveira to the ground and submitted him with a freaking uh, shoulder shoulder submission where he had his neck up against his shoulder and made him tap. Mm. That's exactly what I think he's going to try to do against Volkanovski. I love Volkanovski. If this was a catch weight, I would probably go with Volk. But Islam have with the advantage. I'm taking him, and I, and, I, and I have to give him the respect that his own weight class. If, if Islam was going down a weight class to Volk, I would pick Volk. I'm going to pick Islam in this match. This fight's in Australia. So they're fighting for Islam's belt, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Volk's, yeah. Going for, Volk's going for two weight classes belts. So um, my head and my gut want to say Islam, but my heart is saying Volk. Um, and I'm going to go with my heart on this one. You should I, go with the majority of your organs. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm betraying my body on this one. Um, <laughs> I'm going Volk, man, and I put money on him as well. I parlayed him and and, and, and it together. Um, I like the underdogs here. Um, I like Volk to, to – because people forget how good Volk is at avoiding takedowns. He is not easy to take down. It's one, true. he's shorter. He's lower sense of gravity. Uh, uh, there is a size difference between these two guys, and it's going to be tough for Islam to get low enough to get his legs. And he's quick. And he's, he's a very great counterfighter. You swing at him, he's going to come back with two before you can blink. That's how great he is. Um, so I'm not. He's not the greatest knockout artist. He's really not. He's not, he, he packs a punch, but he's not. He's not he a, guy a punisher. He's, he's, a punisher. A, he's not a guy that's going to go just go knock people out. He, he he has in a career for sure. He's a guy that likes to keep you standing, come at him, and let you. He'll balance off you. He's just. In, he's in. Yeah, but he will land so many significant strikes. That's why I'm saying at this round, if this goes the distance, Volk is going to win this fight. It's up to Islam to get him down and beat him on the ground. That's how Islam's going to win. Granted, Islam can knock someone out, too. I'm not going to act like he can't. But that's not really his fighting style either. He has great – but he will, man. If Islam gets the kicks going, that's scary, too, though, because Islam's got great kicks. He will chop you down. But at the same time, matchup makes fights. And I like the matchup here for Volk, actually. I think his, his lower sense of gravity, his, his speed, his ability to avoid takedowns, and his ability to check kicks, he's great at all those things. 
So I mean, the strengths for both these both these guys match up so well, and I think that why this is fight is so hyped, and the fact that it's in Australia, it's it in Volk's home, man. Like this is there's gonna be so much juice going into this fight, and I'm going my heart on this one. I, I put money on Volk to win. I, I I want Volk to win. I'm picking Volk to win. Well, and, and here's the crazy thing about this fight is that. <laughs> One way or the other, one of these guys is going to end up looking human at the end. Yeah. And it's hard to believe either one of these guys are human to begin Bro, with. Yeah. They're so this, yeah, yeah, this is a lot like when Leon Edwards made uh, <clears throat> my guy Usman. Uh, Usman looked like a human. That, that was, was that's still man. to this day one of the most Humbled shocking things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not rooting, hey, for the record, I'm not rooting for either one of these guys. I love these dudes yeah. as much as the other. Stunts. This is such a difficult fight to pick, but I have to go with the guy that is in that weight class. That I think has more advantages than the other. I'm gonna stick with this one. All right, man. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you guys want to ask that you guys want to probably end? Uh, oh, no, let's get let's get right to the last one, Eddie. Let's go right. ahead. All right. Is MJ the kill? <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, is that your, really is that your fucking question? Okay. <laughs> Just well, this is not you believe. So what, what happened, Eddie? What, yeah. Go ahead and let the people know what, what you're gonna set up the question about. I don't even want to ask the oh, question. Okay. I mean, you guys, you guys, you guys know what I want to ask, but no, no, I man. don't want to ask. Go ahead, it's your hour. I didn't dress for the occasion for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't dress up for nothing. Um we saw a Lakers lose to the Thunder. That uh, is true, but what, what happened in the game, Eddie? What historic accolade was was achieved? that game uh something that i'm sure uh, another player will probably reach right well what was it what was the what was the record it only took 40 years for the last one yeah what was the what was the record more years more games yeah oh i'm gonna get to that in a second let us know what the record was the lakers record so i'm gonna i'm gonna take this one for eddie so um if you missed it lebron james the greatest player who's ever played basketball uh, past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the all-time scoring list. He already owned the playoff record. Now he has the official regular season uh, record. With I think it's three thousand or thirty-eight thousand two hundred ninety or three hundred ninety, something like that. Regardless, he passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in this particular game against Eddie's Thunder. The most impressive part about it is the fact that LeBron not only did it at an actually younger age than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He did it in 150 fewer games on 3,712 fewer minutes, 480 fewer attempts, and 1,786 fewer makes. And everybody goes, well, he shot the three a lot more than Kareem. Kareem only made one three in his entire career. Trevor, why don't you go ahead and let them know that number, that little stat that you gave me, because I don't want to take it from you. You're the one that discovered it. Because this diffuses and debunks every single bit. Of anybody and everybody that wants to say it's the three-pointer that got LeBron this record over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, do you have it, Trevor? Yes, yeah, so there's three bulletin points. So point, point number one is LeBron will pass Kareem in fewer games, shot attempts, and minutes, which he just did. Uh, LeBron has played in 13 of the 20 slowest pace years since 1974, while Kareem played in all 15 of the fastest ever. Think about that. Kareem played in 15 of all, all 15 of the fastest ever pace games, which means there was more, more scoring opportunities at the highest rate. And the third point, if you turn all of LeBron's three-point shots, three-point makes into twos, the first point is still true. In other words, <coughs> the three-pointer isn't what got LeBron it's the record. Real, it's a moot point. 
And you know what's funny? Is that I heard for so long when LeBron passed MJ in total points. What was that, like three years ago? Mm-hmm. When he passed MJ in points, he, the people said, well, he played more minutes. Well, he played more games. Well, I guess it didn't matter that he took fewer shots. That's how points are accrued. Yeah. And it's funny that we played more games. He took fewer shots. But now that he's done this against Kareem in fewer games, no one's saying that because they can't. They can't they can't refute that. And it just as my guy Nick Wright always says, when 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 the time comes that LeBron's finally done, which I don't think is for at least another three or four years, when that time does come and he has 44, 45,000 career points. And he gets to the playoffs another three or four times and adds to those numbers he already has. There's not going to be a debate anymore. I, I personally, I stopped adding the debate because for I'm done sure. with it. Yeah, I don't, yeah. The debate's been over for since 2016 for me. But the fact that LeBron's not only adding to these numbers, as it'd be one thing if he was like Tracy McGrady at the end of his career, where he was averaging like nine, 10 points and just kind of adding to the number here and there. Shaq, you know, getting like 12, 13 points a game, just kind of adding to the number here and there. LeBron is still averaging 30 points per game. He's still averaging eight ass- eight rebounds and seven to eight assists a game, shooting over 50% at 38 years old in his 20th season. He's had 19 straight seasons of at least 25 points per game. To add to the insanity of that, as I talked to Mark Nettles, I've said it on the show before, guys like Luka Doncic would have to play another 18 to 20 seasons and average 27 points per game while playing all 82 games per season to just get to where LeBron is now. He's averaging north of 30 points, eight rebounds, and six assists since turning 38. Uh, There's no more debate. There's no more debate. I know people don't like him. But as I said on Twitter the other day, and I'll say it again, when it comes to the MJ thing, which uh, I don't even know why we're bringing him up, but I'm bringing him up. If you Listen, just real quick. If you swapped LeBron and MJ's numbers in their careers – Playoffs, regular season, all that, and, and longevity. We're not having this discussion. If LeBron only scored thirty-two thousand points, if he had the numbers that Michael had in the playoffs, and then Michael's done this for twenty years, no one's debating it. You know who that includes? Me. I would be saying Michael's the goat of because the guy that's played better, longer, has put up better numbers more consistently, has led fewer, worse teams to the finals further. The finals more, many more times. Went to the finals nine of ten years it's we, it's we, we, know, we know we know the, the only damn people talk about the final stuff it's only because lebron's biggest failures happened in the finals and it's MJ's so, happened in the first round or missing the playoffs entirely it was only so coincidental too that MJ, forget people those. forget that mj got drafted in like 1991 the man got drafted in 1984 and for a seven-year stretch didn't win shit because the Celtics, he couldn't even beat the celtics for a single playoff game couldn't beat the pistons until they got old and then, oh, that the Lakers dynasty goes away. Celtics dynasty goes away. Pistons dynasty goes away. There's no more dynasty. Well, beating, oh. beating a dead horse. We know these the, facts. The Bills just went on a six championship run. I wonder. That's coincidental. I wonder how that happened. Oh, that's just weird. It's almost like Michael Jordan won the championship every year. Oh no, wait. No, he played 15 seasons. Wow, he only won six titles in 15. I thought he won every year from the way people act. Well, he would have won eight straight if he wouldn't have retired. That's funny because I recall him coming back in 1994 and losing to the Magic in 1990. They, the they burnt the tapes. Weird. Lines. Just weird. <laughs> and I don't remember Michael Jordan looking like this at 38 years old. That's weird. But yeah, you're right. You're, we're beating a dead horse because they ain't listening. Is that it for the 80 hour? 
That I ain't got nothing else for you on that one. That's good, Eddie Art. Thank you for letting me have that part. Nah, I really nah, do appreciate that. Nah. That just confirmed that MJ's the GOAT. <laughs> did a lot more in lust. Say, yeah, I mean, he only he made the final six times in the you know, 15 years. The final's been there 11. <laughs> we appreciate the Eddie Hour. That is always my favorite time of the, of the show. Uh, we have one more order of business to get to, guys. What is it called? Hold this L. Each and every episode, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those L's in the world of sports are friendly L's or not so friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you. Who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports? Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, Yo, Yo. I'm actually going to take it from you for a second. Oh, shit. Because I want to get my L out there first and foremost this time. Yes. It actually goes right back to what we were just talking about. And Eddie's going to love it. May 13th of 2003, the title of this email was The NBA Draft Will Test Team's Patience and Fortitude. Publication, the Rocky Mountain News author, David Kruger. In this article, he states, D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni, longtime NBA coach, is among a growing number of NBA people who believe the more interesting question is whether LeBron James, the presumptive number one pick, will be better than Durko Milicic five years from now. A lot of people are saying James is good. There's no doubt about it, and they love him. But the Yugoslavian kid at seven feet with all the things he's supposed to be able to do in those three or four years will be the better pick, D'Antoni said. Or how about John Harris, the former article writer? His title stated, Ackland's James, a sure thing, don't bank on it. All the way up to uh, May 25th of 2015, Urkel Spaces, a verified account that talks a lot of sports, said, quote, LeBron is 30. The fuckery won't go on for much longer. Thank God. And now look at this. <laughs> Eight years later, the fuckery still continues, Eddie. Every single person that ever doubted LeBron James, who is the greatest athlete who has ever lived, and I don't give a shit who that offends, it is a factual statement. And I live and exist in the world of facts. A man that's put together 20 years of a masterpiece of a career, like our guy Brian Windhorst from ESPN, who has followed LeBron's career before he even started the NBA, stated that if you want to say look, the, the six-year stretch of dominance that MJ had, if that's why you think he's the greatest ever, he won't fight you on it. But if you want to sit here and say that anyone has been greater for a longer period of time that has played the game of basketball at a higher level than LeBron James, you are mistaken. There is no one that has done it for this long at this high of a level that like LeBron James, unlike LeBron James, he stands alone in every category known to the NBA, known to the game of basketball, known to mankind. That is not hyperbolic. That is a fact. And these people were wrong, and people will continue to be about wrong about LeBron James because I don't think he's going to slow down until he's in his 40s. So for everybody that did that, for everybody that continues to do that, even you know, present company included, do me a solid and hold this out. Any Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, who's uh, holding off for you this week, and why is it F one? Not F one. Uh, that was last week. Uh, this week, I'm gonna give it to Manchester, Manchester City, uh, a soccer club out in uh, England, uh, the Premier League. Uh, they have been charged by the Premier League for multiple financial fair play breaches. Oh shit! And these are over nine straight seasons where they've broken the financial fair play uh, rule. And in the ninth seasons, they haven't won shit, and they fucking gotten massive players. Uh, obviously, they got uh, Haaland, which is one of the best strikers in the world currently, 
in this age. Uh, now with Messi and Ronaldo on their way out, uh, you got the likes of Mbappe and Holland, but Holland is in Manchester City. Even with all that cheating, even with all that rule breaking, uh, they've only won the Premier League. They haven't won shit outside of the Premier League. Champions, they can't seem to get it done. The year they, the year they thought they had it was uh, 2021 against who? Against Chelsea. They were like, oh, easy. Our first Champions League. And a lot of people pick Man City because they're the more talented roster. They have the more, the better depth, the better anything uh, against Chelsea with a bunch of young team. Uh, it was a young team. Uh, obviously, their uh, objectives weren't as high, but they managed to get to the finals. And guess what happened? They beat Manchester City. So breaking all these uh, financial fair play rules, doing all this thing to, to ensure you win Champions League, which at the end of the day, every club in Europe wants to win a Champions League. You still can't get it done. <laughs> now you've been charged. Now you are risking relegation or just losing points or being fined uh, tremendous amounts of money. Man. Manchester City, you're going to have to do me a favor and uh, hold this L. You don't pay to be shade A. Trevor Tootle, who's holding the L for you this week? All right, so we did. We touched on a lot of the movement, the, the NBA trade deadline, and movements around the league. Uh, there was one move in particular we did touch on a little bit with the Lakers um, acquiring, uh, uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jared Bonneville. There's one guy in particular that they acquired uh, that might stir a little, you know, a little bit of pot stirring in the locker room of the Lakers uh, with the newest acquisition of uh, Malik Beasley um, because they do have to look. The Lakers do have um, <clears throat> uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. on the on the on the roster, um, who's been a rotational guy who's just not really played much, but is a rotational guy, maybe a guy for the future that could become something possibly a, uh, the son of a great player. Um, but maybe many of you may know, many of you may not know. Um, Larsa Pippen was the ex-wife of Scotty Pippen, dated Malik Beasley, Beasley for some time, um, and I don't know about you guys. It'd be a little awkward for me if I was playing basketball with a guy, a guy a little that bit. dated my mom, who's not that much older than me. It'd be a little strange uh, scenario. Um, so I'm gonna—I mean, I don't need to say much more. I don't think I need to say that much more. The 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 the, um, the tension that's probably in that locker right now between those two players. Maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. You have to think maybe there's um, a conversation that was had before the trade went down. I would imagine. Maybe. You know? But I mean I don't even know if the Lakers honestly did their due diligence on that. They're just like, mm, I mean Lake's a good player. How is it? The Lakers are like, we're bringing your funny. mom's boyfriend. Yeah. Bring your yeah, so, daddy in. <laughs> so Scotty Pippen Jr. you're not you're not gonna be sharing balls with a guy your mom also shared balls with. Oh! Um, <laughs> do me a favor and hold oh, this out. Balls. There you go, Trevor. That's a way to end this episode. Balls. <coughs> it's all ball game in the end. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> man, I hope you guys enjoyed this. We've been, we've been powering through this. Um, no matter how I felt, no matter how Trevor felt or Eddie, what experiences he went through last night, we were not going to not have a show this week. It's far too important because we have the biggest game, not just of the season, but I think of the Mahomes era yeah. uh, that's happening in this game because of how much is going to be riding on this one, how much is going to change legacy-wise if it goes the way we expect it to. But I mean it when I say I am as, I am more confident about this one than I had been in the previous two. When when the Chiefs won that first one, obviously I was I was I felt good about that game, but I, I knew this was a very proven 49ers team that all season long was going up against good offenses and good teams who were still winning and. 
I was like, man, this team could very well beat this Chiefs team. But I felt good. The Buccaneers game, like, you know, the Chiefs have a horrible offensive line that's completed, but maybe Andy Reid could have found something over these last two weeks. We saw that win. Mm-hmm. Now, Chiefs are such a more mature team, even though ironically they have a such a younger team than they did the previous years. This team's galvanized, and I think they have so many mismatches in the most important positions in this matchup that makes me believe this team's going to take care of business. And I feel very good about what's about to take place in, in, a, in a, about eh, 24, 25, 26 hours from now. Um, but regardless, we're glad you guys were here for the, the duration of the show to, to hear out what we had to say. And we love that we had people chiming in and chiming out on what we had to say and what we had what we had to talk about when it came to this game and stuff outside of even this game and other parts of this game. That's what it's that's what the show's about. And we definitely appreciate you guys. And I know you're probably thinking, well, you know, football season will be over after this. What are you guys gonna do? If you're new here, trust me when I say we find ways to make this thing work. Uh, we do the show year round because there's sports to be talked about year round. Uh, maybe we have to get a little more creative when it comes to content because football is what we talk about primarily. But trust me when I say we will make sure you guys have shows to to uh, to sit on, to listen to, 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 to chime in on. That's what we do here. And I just want you guys to know that. Put that at ease. And let your friends know, man, that this is what we do every single week. Have them subscribe. Have them become a part of the spoken community, man, because that's what we do. That's what we are here for is to grow this thing so more people feel like they have a voice. It isn't just for us to get our opinions out there. We want to hear from you guys as well. Uh, Eddie, do you have something to add before you want to go in there? Okay, awesome. Well, you guys know what we have on this game. Let us know what you guys think. We still have, like I said, over 24 hours to still discuss this. We have Facebook. You see on the bottom of the screen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Hit us up on all those platforms or hit us up on YouTube primarily. We'd love to hear how you guys think this game is going to go down. So for Clay Windler, for the great Clay Windler that puts all this on the back end, puts all of it together, he is our wizard to the Oz. For Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, I'm Lance Twidwell. Episode 205 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And until we're here one week's time, talk about Patrick Holmes winning his second ring and what this is going to be to his legacy. We out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.